Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Hello, everybody. It is Sunday. You know what that means. It's the AEW Podcast. Uh, Untitled Wrestling Oh, God, it's gone wrong already. Uh, Untitled Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> AEW Review. Me and Jay are horrendously hungover. Uh, without peeling back the veneer of professionalism, we were drinking until like four in the morning last night for, for whatever reason. Uh, I don't even remember why. <laughs> Yeah, um, but we're here. Uh, we're mostly present and correct. Um, everything kind of hurts, but we're here to run through this week's Rampage Dynamite, all the other bits and bobs. We're going to do some questions. We're going to have a real good time, aren't we, Jay? How's it going? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be consuming coffee and grape Fanta. Oh, grape Fanta's the best. Have you had raspberry Fanta? I've not, that no. Is, that is polite. I got a. Um, I think I prefer grape was my favorite for a long time i got some like old jamaica grape soda from bnm the other week and oh that was, like the fuck t- that was really i was like 20p a can as well it was so cheap yeah the thing is like once it's gone it's like, i cleared out the shelf of like the big packs of nerds they have because they're like one pound fifty there and like 450 in the american speed shop um yeah but they're, they're gone now forever they'll never see them again so it's like the, yeah. like the rumor crimes in harry potter it just pops up what you need every now and then it's like oh you just you just want these. We've got these for like two weeks and then they're gone forever. So, yeah. um, I've, I've, I've got a, a limited supply of uh, the white chocolate dipped Oreos that they bring oh, off. Oh, with... nice. <laughs> they, they were clear. They were clear in um, the big Tesco the other day. I was like, I'll take some of these. <laughs> you got the insider trade. You got the you got told on the on, on the internal communications that it was going out. No, I was just, I literally just <laughs> suffer it because like, he'd all sold out. My stuff like. And we didn't get any more in. I was like, oh, man. Need more. Fair enough. Uh, right. Well, speaking of, oh, I've, I've, got, I've got no segue here. I was going to say, speaking of things that have uh, things that have gone away. Well, let's talk about something that's come back, which is, in fact, John Loxley and AW done with. There we oh, go. I, 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 I bent that into shape, didn't I? I'd ask you to apologise, but I think that's a bit of a sore subject at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, so John Moxie's back, um, and he they, they, they waste no time here. So this was, before we get into it, because it was a really cool promo, um, obviously they, they announced it in advance, um, which a lot of people, yeah, which a few people were kind of a bit down on, I saw, but I think it made sense, especially when you see like the ratings the show did, because it opened really strong in terms of viewership. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's for the for people who don't know, we're going to, we don't normally do this, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm in an analytical mood today. It's, it's staving off the the existential dread that I'm feeling from this hangover. Um, so now that they're on TBS in the US, um, AEW Dynamite in particular gets a lead-in from the Big Bang Theory, which yeah. is on immediately beforehand. And paradox, for some bizarre reason, Big Bang Theory is still incredibly popular. Um, and so they, they carry a lot more audience in. So I think I think they said something like, over 2 million people watched like the first 15 seconds of Dynamite and then like a lot of them went fuck wrestling and turned over yeah. but like it just shows how many how many people they're carrying into the show so if you put someone like Moxie advertise it put it straight at the start 
you get you get that massive chance to retain like those viewers, and, uh, it, and it worked because they they did big numbers this week. They actually beat Raw in the demo. I think they had to keep like have Moxley the first thing as well. It was yeah. it was important. It was an important like promo, regardless of like what you think of it, Bully Ray. Um, oh God, we're not, we're, not, we're not talking about that. Oh God, I'm gonna get a fucking DM from him. Are you? Have you you have to apologise to him, personally. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it for the heat. I'm doing it for the heat. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think it was an extremely important um, promo because it was, it was about real life stuff. Yeah, and it was sending a, it was sending an important message about like almost of hope, I guess. I mean, so I've got, I've got, I've got two like little quick notes on this. So one, um, as Moxie walks out into the crowd, like the look of emotion on his face is real, like. It, and, it, just for one second, he sort of breaks character, yeah, which is and, which is impressive because he he, he actually says, um, or people have said it in AEW that he actually spends like ten minutes just pacing around, getting himself in character before he goes out, and he really does like get into a different mindset than who he well, is as a person. He, he used to have like a slug of Jack Daniels and a fucking cigarette before he got hold of me. Yeah, maybe maybe not so much now. Um, uh, so first of all, like Mox showing a bit of actual emotion for like just a split second, like you just see it in his eyes, like it, it looks like he's about to burst into tears, but like out of yeah. sheer joy, which is lovely to see. And secondly, um, Mox says "fuck" on TV, and no one cares because it's Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> Even Dan Housen said, like questioned his own moral compass, saying, "Wait, swearing okay now?" <laughs> and but in the back somewhere, Chuck Taylor just burst into flames. <laughs> So many shits were said. <laughs> um, he actually put on, didn't he put on Twitter, Chuck Taylor, that now he wants, all right, now the stakes are raised, you know, to be the first person to say the C word. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> if, if, if Chuck Taylor says cunt, yes, that, that the world will implode. <laughs> but yeah, Moxie cuts, his, Moxie cuts his awesome promo we talked about. Um, and it, can, it, we say, it, can we just address as well how fucking good he looked? Oh, my God, he looks like 10 years younger. I mean, yeah, he, he's like, he's lost like a shit on a weight. Um, yeah, and like it, it looks like his hair's grown back as well. I don't know. If that's like, just a, I don't think he ever. I think his quoting it was his personal choice. I don't think it was a Baron Corbin situation. There was it. It wasn't like. Well, no, he's got like a receding hairline anyway. But like, it looks like it's it looks like it's grown like. It, it looks like it's like not receding any as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, he, he just looked really good, and the, and the fans for the most part were very much behind him. There was that one dickhead who he told to get the fuck out and presumably he was ejected um like massive mox chants um and the, but then they but then he, as, as like obviously how much respect he commands as soon as he started talking it was like a library it was actually like you could hear a pin drop like was... everyone was everyone was hanging on his every word yeah yeah and he talked a lot about and it, i mean we're not going to go through the promo because just go and watch it i'm sure they've got it on youtube because it's the type of thing that aw would put up in their entirely they, in their entirety they put it up in its entirety even with the f-bomb yeah, immediately after Dynamite. So if, if you've not if you've not seen it, go check it out. Um, but basically, the, the gist is sort of like he talks about how you know obviously he's he's got this history of deathmatch wrestling and he's got a lot. Everyone has scars. He's got more than most people. And then he talks about mental scars and basically sort of like make, make, taking the time to get yourself right is really important. And it's and it was a really cool like like it's a very serious, very real promo. Um, and he ended it and he sort of like got like not angry but more like sort of worked up as he delivered it and like more loud and shouty towards the end and it, it, it really built a crescendo and uh, he, he finished it beautifully by saying um, 
I've got, I've got a few little clips here. One of them, one of them, he said, "I don't run from demons. I just beat the shit out of them." Yeah, and now he said, "But now he only drinks blood." Yeah, he said, "If you thought I was dangerous before, these days all I drink is blood." It's like, oh Jesus, I'm, I'm legitimately terrified. If I'm Tanahashi, I'm staying the fucking Japan. It's <laughs> gonna eat Tanahashi's soul. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, and it was yeah, just a super real way to open the show. I mean, like you say, it was like the same punk thing, wasn't it? Like it, they had to like get it out there straight away. It yeah. was the only real place to put it on the card. Um, and obviously and with it, with him, um, it with him, felt that level of importance as well. To be fair, yeah, yeah, it, and it was because it, and it was it's Moxie's. He's absolutely going to be the first uh, two-time AEW World Champion because he's still probably the biggest star in the company. Yeah, it it, it, it almost felt like um, o- o- almost as if like when Punk debuted, there was like a fever pitch, wasn't there? That if Punk hadn't a debuted, it would have overtook the whole show. Everyone went for Punk. Yeah. Whereas with Mox, it would have, I think it would have been the same. Everyone knew Mox was back. Everyone wanted to see Mox. Everyone wanted to hear what he had to say. It's his first, I mean, it's his first, literally his first like public appearance. Yeah. There's a lot of people who were annoyed that GCW um, announced Moxley before AEW had. And even though Moxley had like his first match back on Friday night, um, I think this was more important than any match he could have had. Yeah. Because He's addressing everything. He's talking from the heart, and it's like it, it is like his kind of like welcome because, back. Well, it? because he didn't even announce that he was going away. It came through Tony Khan. Yeah, he just did it. As a, so like, he he literally just one day he just disappeared, like yeah. in the middle of a tournament. And everyone, I mean, obviously everyone was understanding. Like the fans, there's no, there was absolutely in, no in the middle of probably what would have been his biggest run in AW. Yeah, when he was about to turn heel and like and, yeah. and like desecrate Orange Cassidy. Yeah, uh, and, it would, it, and it would have been it would have built to him be, probably being Hangman's first chat. I mean, it's it's crazy when you think about like how this is all spun out now. And like, when we, we, when we, we get the eventual Hangman Mox match, though, that's going to be fucking. But awful. we didn't get we didn't get the Mox heel turn, so instead we got the Danielson heel turn, and then that led to like ninety minutes of some of the best wrestling we've seen in a long time. I, yeah, I think we would. I think the Danielson heel turn was inevitable. I think Danielson probably would have won the tournament. You reckon he would have beat Mox in the final? Yeah, because they made out that Danielson's first loss was a fucking huge deal anyway. Yeah, I suppose. Um, well, well, we'll talk a bit more about that uh, when we get to Rampage, because there's... Yeah. Put that, we'll just put that to one side for a second, <laughs> because we'll, we'll get yeah, we'll get back to that. So, yeah, uh, super cool intro, um, opening segment. Uh, great to see Mox back. Like I said, he looked... I, I keep saying this. I mean, and the, the it's what's been so heartening uh, to see is just from all across the world of professional wrestling, from all companies, like just the outpouring of support and love and respect yeah. for Mox and everything he went through. And there was there was no one, except for, you know, Dickhead Ray, there was no one um, like having a go at him saying, oh, why have you done that? Or, you know, why are you about... No one, there was no one notion that he'd like turned his back on the fans or anything. Even like yeah. from, the, from the fans to the wrestlers, everybody was just like, yeah, this is this is what the guy needs to do. We, we respect it, him, yeah, got to it, do it. it. It's important that he... Obviously, like betters himself for not only himself but for his family as well. Um, yeah. Like Renee, Renee's tweets uh, during the promo were really nice as well. She was just like, "What she was saying was just, I love this guy so much," and it was like yeah. that. That was such a cool thing to see. That you know, it's, it must. It's, I can only imagine how hard it was for, for her as well. Like as well, you know, you know, they've got a young child. Um, I don't know how intense Mox's program has been, but he's obviously not been a hundred percent for a long time. <laughs> I mean, he talked about yeah. like in he talked about in the um 
in the promo about like literally falling asleep on a plane, like drunk and waking up and not knowing what city he was in. Yeah, which is fucking terrifying when you think about it. Yeah. So he obviously he's he's been having some real problems um as of late. And it's great, obviously, it's great to see that he's well, he you talks, know he talks in um he talks in his book about um when he was like on his way back to Vegas. Um obviously he lived in Vegas. Um, going for a fucking like drink at seven AM somewhere. Yeah. I have like, just moved back to Ohio. Oh, has he? I think he has. Maybe getting out of Vegas was like a thing that had to happen. Yeah. Like I say, when when you've got like a twenty four hour entertainment industry like right next to you with bars and all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not the best place to be living. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. We'll come back to Mox because he's going to feature on Rampage. We'll talk a little bit more about, about Mox when he gets back to in-ring action. Um, next up then, we had MJF and Wardlow in front of the lockers doing a little promo. Um, and it was a really cool promo. So, so MJF, uh, it was Wardlow's birthday. But <laughs> MJF on Twitter actually tweeted happy birthday to R-Truth and whose birthday it also was, but not to Wardlow. Which was uh, which was kind of funny, uh, carrying on this whole like slow sort of fracturing of their relationship, um, and basically MJF was just saying, oh yeah, you know, if you were a bit more experienced, maybe you could have reversed that that role of pipe punk and you would have won. Um, and he said, he, he said like his gift for it's his birthday is to say that he's been a good friend and a really good employee for two years. He gave him, like, he his, him he yeah, he gave, him, he gave him his, like he gave him like his approval as, as a present, which is a very MJF thing to do. Uh, and then he basically said, um, however, you did put your hands on me after the match, and that's just a bad example for everyone, so I'm going to have to dock your pay. Yeah. And Wardlow's facial expressions were like, like he's he's an incredible facial actor, because he was able to convey, like, amusement, anger, um, like, sort of, the, the range of emotions he went through in this <laughs> on his face were incredible. Uh, and it he, he, he feels as if, like, it's going to be soon that he yeah. turns on him. But he went from like sort of looking like he didn't really know what was going on to looking like he wanted to like ram MJF's head through a wall in the space for about yeah. 90 seconds, which was great. Um, and then he basically said, um, tonight Sean Spears is going to give Punk his first loss. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and he'll show Wardlow how to get the job done because he's the best accountability in the world. So there we go. Uh, again, he, did bring, he also brought up the uh, TNT Championship again. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, because Wardlow's in the Revolution ladder match, isn't he? Well, he's he's he's, he's, ranked, he's ranked enough to be in it at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're sort of teasing that he's going to be. Yeah, uh, in the face of the Revolution ladder match. So, right, so we'll move on then um, to the first match, which was probably the match I was the most excited for on the show, um, which was Britt Baker and Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander in an intergender tag match. I fucking love this match. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was so right. fun. Even down to like just just orange doing orange things, <laughs> yeah. Like doing the fucking like shin kicks on Brit straight away, and uh, the crowd accordingly like devastating, devastating man on man violence blood. in the middle of an AEW yeah. ring on national television. This is disgusting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the the dive thing as well was fucking brilliant. Yeah, it was it was just a superb match. It was it wasn't particularly technical but it was just very very good fun and I think it played to the strengths of pretty much everybody involved in it. If, if you, your appetite wasn't wet enough for 
um, for Chris Statlander versus Adam Cole. Sure, sure as shit is now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we got we, there was a couple of like it, it did a really good job of building up Statlander because like they presented her as like she wasn't afraid to mix to try and mix it up with Adam Cole, and Cole didn't want any of it. Yeah, which was kind of cool. When they did the tease on the outside, like late into the match, when like uh, Statlander was teasing, she was going to move and salt onto Cole on the on the ramp, and then Cole like Brit like a Brit attacked her, didn't she? And yeah. then Cole teasing that he was going to Panama Sunrise, and like the anticipation, the build up to that was. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, like just the crowd reaction when it looked like Cole was going to hit with the Panama Sunrise on the outside, <laughs> and then the fact, that, the fact that Brit then just ran from nowhere and hit her own onto Chris was awesome. Yeah. Um, did she hit like a destroyer? Did she hit a destroyer? She she hit a super kick and then then a destroyer of her own, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously there was that moment, a really nice moment where uh, Britt was on the mat. Statlander was going to go for the fourth, area 451 and Cole did like the like really theatrical like, no! Like like offered his body as like a shield over Britt. Yeah. And then Statlander just did it anyway and hit both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Which was great. Yeah. Adam Cole was an absolute bastard in this match but brilliant. But like even as well, like so to the finish where him and Brick get the table and they're gonna try and put Orange through it. And um Orange accidentally knocks Brit off the apron through the table, like this the fame fabled Stephanie McMahon bump, I call it. Yeah. And Adam Cole's face was fucking brilliant. He just goes like full in rage at that point. Like he's yeah, he's just he's just he gone. Like, he looked like he was gonna fucking kill Orange Cassidy. Yeah, it was the uh... <laughs> It was the dick. It was the, it was the dick hit heard around the world, wasn't it? After that, Jesus I, Christ. I saw someone on Twitter um, saying, "Like uh, that was Adam Cole's face when he loses a game of Uno." <laughs> Which, to be fair, on up, up, down, down, that is his face when he's lost the game of Uno and he's had it in, in his grasp. Fair play. <laughs> yeah, punched Orange Cassidy really hard in the dick, murdered them with a boom, and then um, I love I love the fact. He got the ref to hold his hand up before he checked on Brit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he, he just, then he just like, Yeah, he, he just sent the doctor like flying. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was so good. It was like it was really good, a mixture of like really but good action. Did you hear as well the first thing he said? No. He didn't ask her if he was okay. He was like, We won't babe. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. was like, Oh, Adam Cole, you wonderful bastard. <laughs> It's fucking great. Oh, I love that. I love it. Love yeah, the whole feud. It was it was the perfect mix of like comedy storytelling Any, and a bit of and good in ring action as well. Anyone who thinks that this is wasting Adam Cole, this like kind of periphery feud with Orange Cassidy, he's having to kind of build them up for Hangman, is a fool because it's. I think it's really, it's it's like Orange is one of the perfect people for Cole to feud with because he's so beloved. Yeah, and Cole's like a cool heel. But you can't help but boom when he's against Orange, and it'll be the same with Hangman. But at the same time, it's like it's really kind of establishing what a bastard Cole is, and like how much of a piece of shit he is by doing stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, right then, moving on. Then after that, we had a little promo backstage. Alec Marbez talking to Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, and we get a little bit of a tease that maybe the inner circle might be a uh, into a bit, a bit of trouble. Yeah. Also, Chris Jericho's um, trademark the term GFY for you know, fuck yourself. And I don't, I don't understand why this has happened. <laughs> like, stop he, trying to make GFY happen. He's trying as hard as <laughs> to make that. Happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen, Chris. Um. So yeah, 
he basically starts running down Kingston and Santana Ortiz is like, well, hang on. He's got a point because like we haven't won the titles and we've had your back the entire time. Yeah. So now maybe it's time for like you to help us. It, it was also as well the fact that like Chris was like, I don't give a shit about Eddie Kingston and then Santana and Ortiz were straight away like, he's our friend. He's been our friend longer than you have. Yeah. We do. So wind your neck in. So that was cool. And then just before they go to the break, they said they were going to have a word with Adam Cole when they came back. So they come back. Uh, Marvez just probably gets legged across the, the arena <laughs> to catch it with Adam Cole. Has, um, he basically just takes the mic off and throws him off the screen. <laughs> and he basically says to Orange, like, yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's still like absolutely raging at this point. He said um, he's beat him in a singles match, beat him in a mixed tag match. What more does he need to do? He put his hands on his girlfriend. So he says, right, then next week at beach break, let's have a no DQ lights out match. I can't wait for that. Which is going to absolutely bang. It's going to you know be for, so good. You know for a fact that Cole's going to try and top the match that Brit had with Thunder Rosa. Yeah. In his head, he's going to be like, I want, I want him top, like, because they've got like a really cool kind of like competitiveness with, with each other, Adam and Brit, haven't they? Like, I remember when he was still in NXT, she said like, um, she just like wind up by, oh yeah, how are you guys doing in the ratings? But, so, <laughs> um, yeah, they've got this real like sort of power couple sort of like, performance like well, based relationship like but it, yeah, in like a sort it, of mocking way in like a really sort of yeah it, it's cool that they kind of like push each other to like outdo one another so I like the fact that that Cole's having the lights out match obviously Brits had like arguably the most important one in AEW obviously yeah. Mox and is fucking huge but like I think this I think the one with Thunder Rosa because it really kind of established yeah our women's, our women's division is fucking good which we'll get to later with one of the questions um the Troy's asked one of the fucking 80 questions he's put in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it did, it did really establish kind of like, yeah, the women's division is good and it, it's 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 good enough that we can like main event a show with it. And I think, I think because of that, Adam Cole is going to want to like kind of you use that lights out match to kind of put himself on the map completely and be like, well, this is his, it, it maybe maybe even so in storyline, but this is his sort of like push to the main event I think and if he wants to be in the title picture yeah it, it, it's I think it's going to be the match that Adam Cole kind of goes I belong in the title picture and I think as well with Orange it doesn't really hurt Orange losing no because he's it's his character isn't it he's, he's like a, he, he doesn't give a shit so he's he's gonna I think Orange has to, he's gonna have a standout performance as well You'll come very close, and he'll he'll take Adam Cole all the way. But yeah, I think Cole yeah. will Cole will win, and it will it will sort of give him the, the momentum to carry on into the to be, probably be Hangman's next challenger. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be Cole and Hangman at Revolution, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, we'll talk about um, where the title picture fits when we get to the, the Lance Archer bit. But yeah, I, I I think that's probably I mean I think it's probably a little too far away to do Archer at Revolution. I don't think he's a he's a pay per view opponent. Yeah, I, th- I think they're probably gonna. They seem to be building that Chicago show as a fucking huge deal. Yeah. So I feel like, which is in three weeks, is it? Two, three weeks? Is that when they do Punk MGF during? Yeah, Punk kind of teased that. Didn't he, 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 yeah, he, he said the promo, didn't he? He said, like, you don't want to fight me. And you definitely don't want to fight me in Chicago. I think MGF's going to be Punk in Chicago. Oh, the, the heat, mate. Imagine. I, <laughs> exactly. It'll be like fucking, it'll be like if Cena wins, we riot heat. He's, yeah. It'll be that'll be like the equivalent of AEW's like Cena Punk Money in the Bank. Yeah, it'll be, like, it, I mean, it could like it could reach like screwjob levels of heat. 
Yeah, and if MJF wins by fuckery as well. Yeah. It'll, well, if MJF win, wins by fuckery, it'll piss the fans off. If MJF beats Punk clean as a whistle, oh, Chicago's going to fucking erupt. Just one heat seeker. Oh, it'll just it'll just implode. It'll be <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it feel it certainly feels there was another match they did allude to for that Chicago show. And I can't remember what it was now, but it feels like that's going to be like a big deal. That's like, Chicago, next, that's like the next thing they're like hanging the hat on a little bit. Yeah, well, Chicago's kind of like AEW's version of like MSG, isn't it? Yeah, um, especially now they especially now they've got Punk. Like yeah, like. Whenever they go to Chicago, it's kind of like the big deal show. It's like they have all the big stuff. They have all out there, which is like the flagship show. They have Punk debut there, obviously, because he's from Chicago. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want like an instant hot crowd, you just bring Punk out in Chicago. That's like that's like the rule, isn't it? You know, it's it's yeah, not it's, yeah. not, it's not it's not rocket science, uh, but it works. Yeah, it, it's, it's like the it's like the home away from home, isn't it? Because Daly's yeah. place like the home ground. Well, isn't Tony's from Chicago, isn't he? Yeah, I believe he is. So. It's like it's his, it's his home, like turf, basically. Yeah, and it, it it's it's cool because it's as I say, it's um, it it makes every time they go to Chicago, as I say, it's like when WWE go to Madison Square Garden, they make a fucking huge deal out of it. Yeah, like oh, we're back at the garden. It's it's the same the same kind of thing where it's like oh yeah, we're we're in Chicago. This is like our home ground. I don't is it in the United Center again as well? Possibly. I mean, that's a big one, obviously, because you've got the basketball and the sports connotations as well, which obviously punks big Chicago sports guy. If it's in, if it's in the, if it's in the United Center, I'm going to go on an extra limb and um, and say that a car that shows up because punks mm-hmm. called a car that out to meet him at the, the United Center. That'd be awesome. Uh, speaking of punk, anyway, we'll move on to match number two, which, well, I say match number two. It was CM Punk just annihilating Sean Spears in about eight seconds. Yeah, I mean, we do get I, Sean. You get Sean Spears' banger entrance. Oh, I love Sean Spears' entrance music. It's so good. MGF comes out on commentary, and then yeah, basically Spears charges Punk. Punk just ducks him, picks him up, hits him with a GTS, and pins him. It's two weeks away the Chicago show, and it's not in the United Center. It's in the Wind Trust Arena. Oh right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I like this. I, I know again, it was like it. It served a, a purpose on so many levels. So obviously, like Punk, just straight away, like Spears going in, dead cocky because he's not—he's been putting opponents away instantly. Yeah, he's just boring. Game over and winning. Um, I think because Punk lasted so long against Wardlow, if he had have lasted just as long against Spears, it would have hurt Wardlow. Yeah. So I feel like Spears just charging Punk, Punk reversing it into a GTS. It was perfect, especially because it, it really caught MJ off of his guard. Yeah, and he sold it really well on commentary because he was he was because he was like almost using Spears to bury Wardlow a bit by saying like, "Oh, don't worry, Spears will get it done this week." Like you couldn't. Yeah, you know, and then for him to just get annihilated, it was like it just took all of the it was just all the hubris for MJF and, and all of his confidence. Yeah, and I think again, I think Spears can take a loss like that, can he? Like, oh yeah, I mean, Spears is just he's he's one of them guys. You'll you'll never be like. The top guy in AW, but you'll have a decent. It, I mean, he's almost like the Arthur MGF's flair. Yeah, he he can, or even the I guess Tully would be a good good one. He, he's he's not never going to be like the main guy in the group, but he's there to kind of like 
he, he's just there to basically like he just fits, in, he just fits in the story. He just fills in the blanks. Yeah. He just sort of fits into all the all the little gaps, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so after the after the match, then Punk celebrates on the turnbuckle, and GF sort of tries to sneak in to like hit him from behind. But it's, it's almost you almost get the feeling that Punk was baiting it a bit. Because like as soon as he thought MGF was going to be in the ring, he turned straight around and they, they had a little face to face. Um, he grabs MGF's scarf. MGF just bails, leaves the scarf what behind. I, what I liked about this is it's still not Punk and MGF touching. Yeah, like brought it so close. Even when even when they've been in matches together, they still haven't touched. Yeah, Baden Punk, and I think that's why. Like he he's, he has he has to be Punk. He has to like. This is like kind of like the putting MJF on the map victory, isn't it? It's the it's the one where you go, okay, yeah, he is a he is a real fucking big star. And also, I mean, I'd, I'd even go. I think you, you you would probably have Punk lose to MJF here, and then when MJF is the champion, you then have Punk beat him for it eventually. Yeah, and also like we were talking the other week about how all the four pillars except for MJF have won belts in AEW. Yeah. I think. Being the first person to pin CM Punk in AEW is a much, on on some level, a much bigger accomplishment. Well, that would be that would be his big statement piece. With that it. will be his belt, yeah. Um, so I think I think in a way like that, that's a really cool way to kind of like solidify the fourth pillar. Yeah, and again, it pushes like we said with Cole, it pushes him towards that title picture. Yeah, because I think I do still think MJF is going to be the guy to throw on Hangman. Yeah. Uh, right. So, so moving on then, uh, another backstage bit. We've got um, Billy Gunn has commandeered one of the cameras, and he's he kind of meets he meets up with Christian. Really? And how dare you call him? Call him his real name, the legendary Billy Ass. Billy Ass. Billy Ass commandeered a camera, and he meets up with Christian, and it's kind of cool. So it, this this promo, it sort of starts out with like sort of Billy and Christian having like a little bit of a reunion because they obviously have a lot of history together and they sort of start out quite friendly like old friends and then it takes a bit of a turn when um, Billy asks when the Ass Boys are going to get the tag team title shot. Yeah. And Christian's kind of a dick here because like because he's going to be turning heels. Yeah, but the, the Ass Boys are ranked they're like fourth or something or fifth. Yeah. And they literally said last week anyone who's top five yeah. can have a title shot. <laughs> It under, like the, the well, that's the thing. Like every time they the Jurassic Express have said anyone top five gets a title shot against us, you just need to ask. And, and then, and it, then last week, the same with, he did the same with Silver and Reynolds, where he completely undermined them as soon as, yeah, like which, that, soon as Silver and Reynolds challenge. He was like, Who the fuck are you guys? Obviously, they're, they're sort of underpinning now, aren't they? That Christian being a bit dismissive of the of like the other tag themes is sort of. Putting the putting yeah. the groundwork in place for him to do that heel turn, which has been building. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a bit of a dick. So like, he, he basically says, "No, you guys, you guys need to, sh- you guys need to show me something. You can't have a title shot, even though they literally gave another team one last week." Yeah, it's a matter of time until um, until Christian like tries to implement a free bird rule. I think on the tag titles, <laughs> just, just whistle his way in there and. Yeah, and he, and he just like he just tries to oust Luchasaurus as Jungle Boy's partner. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun, to be fair. Um, anyway, then, so Christy basically doesn't make a statement, and we'll talk. And then Austin and Colton jump in behind, throw him into a garage door a few times, and then they say statement made as he like lies on the floor in a lot of pain. Yeah. So, uh, also, well, um, one thing that it, it wasn't really even picked up on in commentary, but I think it it should be addressed is that. 
Um, with Christian dismissing the Ass Boys, like the Gun Club beat the Dark Order, and the Dark Order got the first shot. Yeah. So realistically, the Ass Boys have more of a fucking more of a claim than Silver and Reynolds. Yeah, and well, obviously we're, we're, we're probably going to have the Ass Boys are going to be the next challengers to Cross Express. I think that match will be pretty good. I think um, Colton and Austin are wildly underrated. Yeah, especially Colton. He's got a lot of like a lot of like his dad's ability. You can see like he's got the drop kick down. He's got yeah, he, he's got the footwork, and also he's the same height as his dad. So you know that helps. I mean, he's not as ridiculously cut as Billy Gunn. Jesus Christ, he still looks no, ridiculous. Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn would probably pass. Wouldn't probably pass a piss test though, would he? Considering he got fired from WWE for failing a piss test. Melda Cutmouth. Tell me about it. Uh, anyway. We'll move on then to what we're all here for, which is uh, the Cody Rhodes promo. Jesus, this was good, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it was, it, like, was a, it was a it was a hot one, wasn't it, from Cody? We we riff on Cody so much, but fuck me, when he when he's like when he hits it right, he hits it fucking right. When you need uh, to, when you need someone to tell a story with like and five minutes of promo time, you, you, bring, was, you bring out Cody Rhodes. This was the mask starting to slip as well. Yeah, like, so at the start, um, so this was very much. It felt like I think it. I think very intentionally, it felt like Cody trying to have his own pipe bomb. Yeah, well, you, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he was comparing it to the pipe bomb a lot, and Punk's another name that's been teased to be in that face of the revolution ladder match. Yeah, and, and he, it was really cool the way he opened it. So he, he started talking about like all the things that CM Punk asked for in the pipe bomb, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I did all that, but you didn't." I did. You went away. Yeah. I, I stayed here and I, I built like the industry. I re, I reshaped the industry the way you wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, what was interesting was, as I say, like it started off where it was another wishy-washy fucking Cody promo where it was like, I'm not going to turn heel because you cheered me when it mattered. And then he gradually was like kind of like taking shots of people and he was like... Just, yeah, like you say, you, you just saw that little bit of like the cynicism behind the, the smile. Like, it was just that, like, a, a, a little, a little, like, droplets of, of, of healness just sort of creeping in at the it corners. It was very Homelander, this promo. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, there was a, even, like, Well, a lot of people, a lot of people said, haven't they, that, like, Cody is a, he's always one step ahead of, like, where everyone thinks he is, like, where we all think he is. He's always one step ahead of the fans. He's always working. Yeah. Um, Phil, I know Phil Lindsay thinks Cody is already a heel. He thinks the heel turn has happened and it's like Cody being like blissfully unaware that he's a heel. I mean, I think that's that's a fair shout. Which is a very good shout. I have a lot of respect for like the, the most The most compelling bad guys are often people who are doing the wrong things for what they think are the right reasons. Yeah, like Kevin Owens in NXT where he was like, he, he was he was basically murdering his friend because... Yeah, because he, he, wanted, the best he, he had to get paid. Yeah, it got so him he, more money for his family. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that, like, that, as I say, the, the longer the promo went, there was more venom in Cody's words. Like, he, even to the point where, like, he brought up the fact that he's friends with Ricky Starks. Yeah. And the first thing he did was bury Ricky Starks. <laughs> Say, oh, you're getting involved in Jay Lethal. That's not a match you're going to win, friend. And, like, when he was, like, when he shit on Brody King, and he was like, oh, the balls to call yourself Brody in AEW. There was a lot of very sh- a lot of shades of Jericho's 
heel turn promo in this, you know, like the sort of him wanting to be like credited for all this and him wanting his his thanks basically. Yeah. Um yeah, there, there was a lot of like Cody almost uh, Cody almost like acting as if AW's on his back. Yeah. And I love the little line towards the end when he's like, Yeah, I um Tony Khan sent me a contract, so maybe it's not the one I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little little look to the camera, like for all the for all the marks watching at home. Um because I mean surely this has to build to Cody managing to find a way to challenge for the title. I think the first thing is it's gonna be Cody turns heel. Yeah. I think as long as Cody's a heel, he he has his right. Like he has his is kind of out of that like stipulation he put on himself. That was that stipulation he put on himself, and also as well, he he a lot of the a lot of this promo was about him kind of talking about how the TNT title is more important than the world title. Yeah. So it if it doesn't end up with Cody challenging Hangman, it almost feels like a missed opportunity. Because he's like he's being insincere. He's like he's saying that now. Because he can't challenge for the for the world title. But yeah, as, soon as, always, as, soon, as soon as he can get a crack at that big belt, he's going to be up there like a shot. Which has always been the narrative as well. Like literally, the when he challenged for the AW title, he said, "If I lose, I'll never challenge this again." And he, he was he was like kind of he was building up how important the AW title was, how much of a big deal that belt is, and how it's going to be like the the belt to win in the industry. And then as soon as he as soon as like the TNT title got announced. Cody was like, well, no, this is the world championship. Yeah. This, this is the important belt. This is the belt that matters in AEW. It's the feeling and, that in Cody's head, like wherever he is, is the most important part of the company. Yeah. And I think, I think this Cody heel turn has been a real long, like long term thing coming. I think it's, it's probably moving a bit faster because the fans have turned on Cody. But I think that was always the idea. There was always going to be a tipping point where like this slow burn tips over yeah, and, like, I, and as well, soon as it goes you actually you just have to go with it you have to ride the momentum I think the Agogo promo which was what kind of tipped it and I don't think that was the, the intended plan for Cody I think he was going to be dragging out a bit longer I, don't know, I, I think they've almost said just we'll just roll with it we'll just we'll have all these like moments where it could happen like so literally burying Agogo who was like, although he was a heel, he was like a young up and coming star. That promo, obviously, which could have got him. Surely, like he's not, he's not that like blind no. to, to know that that could have gone either way. It, no, he has he has a fucking focus group for his promos, and he said like, said oh, well, it worked with the focus group. I think I think they've had like a number of points in this where they've just gone like any one of these could be the tipping points depending on how the fans react. Yeah, and like, whenever it happens, we'll just take it from there and go. Yeah, I think I think as well the fact that he went from feuding with a go go to like Merdekai and everyone was gonna cheer Malachi Black because yeah. everyone fucking loves Malachi Black. Um he, he, he knew because even though he's been fighting heels, he's been fighting like likable heels. Well, now he's not, is he? Now he's fighting Sammy, who's like a really over babyface. Yeah. So he's he's always made sure that the people he's been up against have been people who are easy to cheer for. For the most part, do you think? Do you think Sammy's going to beat Cody for the? TNT well, title? so we'll, we'll talk about that now. Um, so basically, they announced that next week there's going to a beach break. There's going to be a unification ladder match for the two TNT titles. I honestly don't know how which way it's going to go. I have a feeling 
that Sammy's going to win because it, it, while it would mean more for, I, I, th- this is the way I think it's going to go. I think Wardlow's going to win the face of the Revolution ladder match. He's going to beat whoever's the TNT champion at the time, and convincingly, and MJF's going to then just like go right. That's my belt now. Yeah. Now <laughs> I think. Cody isn't going to take like a fucking squash match defeat against Wardlow, is he? No, I mean, you, if you if you if you put it on Sammy, you can do basically the Miro Derby match again, can't you? Yeah, I, I think I think like the, the thing is, Cody, obviously, Cody has took squash match defeats against Brody Lee and um, Malachi Black, but he he's still. I don't think he's gonna. He's going to take many of them in his career. I think they're going to no. use it sparingly for the shock factor. Yeah, like like they do, because uh, it's only happened, what, twice in three years of AW? <laughs> but, yeah. when, but both times, it's been like jaw-to-the-floor moments. I, I think I think Wardlow versus Cody, because of the cage match as well, has a lot more story to it that they couldn't... They shouldn't do it as a squash match. So yeah. that's why they're going to have Wardlow just murder Sammy. Because... Sammy's like way smaller than Wardlow. If Sammy goes against Wardlow, he's gonna get eviscerated, and it's gonna be quick. It's gonna be brutal. I mean, you could have like Sammy comes. The, the match writes itself. Like Sammy comes in all cocky, tries a big springboard move, Wardlow just cacks him, power bombs a shirt out of him, pins him. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, and also the the other reason I think Sammy's gonna beat Cody is because there's people who are kind of like calling out Sammy that they want a shot against them on Twitter. Yeah. Mainly Kip Sabian, who I don't know if you've noticed has been sat in the air crowd. Yes, he has with his box on, with his box on at ringside, and he, he's he, he he's been very cryptic on Twitter, going I'm I'm wait, I'm waiting, Sammy, and stuff like that, which makes me think that he's gonna obviously as well. He's got the first ever victory in AW over um, Sammy Guevara at the first double or nothing. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Kip Sabian is Sammy's first challenger when he beats Cody for the belt. Yeah, because I think they'll spin this Wardlow thing. I think they'll do what they did with um, with Derby to an extent, where they basically just have the narrative of him. He's defending this belt like all the time, and it's this like cumulative effect of all these matches just building up and building up and building up, and then he just runs into this brick wall in Wardlow, and he just can't get past him. Yeah, that 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 seems seems like the most likely. Um, I, I really like the idea as well. It's obviously a it's a callback to uh, Sean and Razor with the two Intercontinental Champions. Uh, that they were like the ladder unification match. Um, I really like that. Um, we will talk about it a bit more because it's one of the questions in the Discord questions. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like the kind of like nod to that because that that's a really important match in wrestling as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by the way this is going. Like I say, I think maybe Sammy will get the win because um, then it also yanks Cody out of this like little pocket dimension that he's in in the TNT title picture. Yeah, I think if Cody loses the TNT championship, then it's kind of going to start the ball rolling. That he's going to be like, "Well, I need the world championship." That's it. It nudges him down that dark path of needing something else. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's going to again play more of a role into Cody turning heel, like fully heel. Yeah. Because he's already a heel, but he doesn't think he's he a heel. Needs, he needs to realise that he has it, to be bad to get what he wants. Almost almost like Cody's acknowledging, oh, no way, I am a heel. Yeah. Like everyone knows. 
he's, it's, he's got to embrace it to like to unlock it to its full potential to, it, to, reap, to reap the benefits basically yeah it, it's all it's almost like um it's almost like everyone knows it except for him so yeah. when he realizes it and then he's like well I'm, I'm not kind of like I'm not stricken by this moral code that I want to follow then it's when when Cody's gonna start getting really interesting because his heel run ring of honor was fucking amazing yeah if, well, if that's when, can... that's, that was when he became the American Nightmare, wasn't it? That was his whole character. Yeah. If he can, and like he was, he was like like shooting on fucking Steve Carino because <laughs> Steve Carino and Dusty had a run in fucking ECW, and he was Steve. I mean, Steve Carino is in character a piece of shit, so that's kind of yeah part of the course. And he was just he was burying the shit out with Jay Lethal, and he, he beat him for the belt. And it, I think, um, I think if we can get that Cody, it's gonna really. It's going to elevate Cody a lot more, and it's going to make Cody a lot more kind of like bearable. It's certainly going to energize his character an awful lot, I think. And um, yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's the route they're going down. Yeah, because Cody, like being aware that he's a heel, starting to get a bit stale. It's almost yeah, it's almost like it's becoming too obvious now. It's like, come on, you need to, like it's becoming illogical that you'd ignore this now, unless you're unless you're really leaning super hard into it. Like he's so he's so like fake virtuous that he just refuses to accept it. He's like, no, I I am my I am the hero of my own story. Like, he's Homelander. Yeah, Homelander. That's his, that's literally his gimmick. It's he's Homelander. Uh, right then, we'll move on. Um, just before we get to the next match, very quick little backstage segment. You have uh, Anna Jay and Jay Cargill. Getting interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Uh, basically, they're having a match for the TBS title. So, Anna Jay is going to be Jade's first um, challenger, which is pretty cool. Um, <coughs> and she, Anna just basically references that she put barbed wire around her own arm to win a match the other week, and she'll do anything to win the belt, which is kind of true. Um, she's got a dark side, apparently. Well, she's in the dark order, so, you know. Yeah. She likes to, to hoof stew in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I I think Anna's a really good first challenger for Jade. Um, she's improving a lot. Um, like we we talk about how, how much Ty Conti has improved. I think it kind of like goes under the radar how much Anna Jade's improved since the first match in AW. Like, fuck me, she's so good. What, we'll talk about it more when we actually get to the match on Rampage. <laughs> but one thing that um someone that I saw someone mention online I didn't think about until afterwards is um Anna and Jade both trained at the Nightmare Factory. Yeah. So okay. they probably they, they probably worked with each other before. So they probably to put in terms of putting the match together, it was probably a lot easier for them to do it uh, because mm. they had this familiarity with each other. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we, when we get to the match because uh, yeah. it happens on rampage. But yeah, it's 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 cool. And he said she's a really also, good silver and smart Mark Sterling was like the selling point of this match. Oh, me. I mean, you, you put both of those guys around the ring, and it's it just it just makes everything even better, doesn't it? It's great. I I would have liked it to have a bit more of a build just so we can get more silver and smart Mark Sterling. <laughs> Uh, right, then moving on to the third match, we have the House of Black, which is obviously Brody King and Malachi Black versus oh, the Varsity Blondes. What an entrance fuck, first. Fuck me. I've been checking uh, Spotify and Apple Music daily. <laughs> not, not even daily, like multiple times a day to see if that music's been put, that song's been put up yet. So this uh, song, the song they come out too, it's an original composition by, I think it's the, the lead guitarist for God's Hate. It's 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 classed as God's hate on it's gonna well it's gonna be classed as God God's hate but yeah, um, Colin Young from God's hate um, uh, it's called Kings of the Black Throne it's the it's their PWG entrance music yeah. as well and they actually referenced them as the Kings of the Black Throne on AW as well yeah 
I, I love that. I think I think the fact that they use the House of Black as like a bigger organization. Yeah. What was the word? Like, they, they used a specific word, didn't they? To... They said honoring the House of Black. That's the one, yeah, when they came out. And it was like, oh, it just felt so special. And then like Malachi holds the mask up and Brody like lifts it up and, and holds it. And then Malachi gets Give down. them the titles now. Just give them whatever they want. <laughs> give them the fucking give company. Them, give them all. Like, I know I say Ricky Starks it needs all the belts now. Give the House of Black everything. <laughs> just anything I, they ask I want, for. I want literally just a picture of like. Malachi Black holding all the fucking belts, sitting on a big black throne, looking like the actual devil. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, this match was the, not, not, not enough to talk about in the match. They basically just beat the piss out of the Velocity Blunts. Well, Brian Pittman got a concussion in this match. Somehow Griff Garrison didn't when, like, Brody <laughs> King, like, just, just obliterated them. <laughs> yeah, so the match finishes with... So you saw it last week, didn't you, on... Um, when Brody debuted, they do their double team finisher, which is called Dante's Inferno, which is fucking incredible. Yeah. Uh, so it's like Malachi picks up um, Pillman in like a super vertical suplex, and then he throws him onto Brody's shoulder, and Brody power slams him. Yeah, there, there was also like so there was the bit where the bar, where Pillman was like scared to springboard onto Brody, which was awesome, and then he yeah. like, kind of goes outside. He's like Griff has to give him a pep talk. And as Griff yep. off, bro, he just like wipes out Griff. They, they, were, they were obviously they were they were, they were, they were yeah. selling very heavily on like the sort of the mental aspect of what facing Malachi did to them. Yeah, which uh, is awesome. like I love that he's corrupting people. Yeah, I mean Julia um, is Julia is going full goth at some point. Oh yeah, she's she's gonna go full goth. Um, like just, I, a, I, just a little things like last week when they were beating up on Malachi and she was like she was like telling him to stop and then Malachi just starts like cackling to himself. Oh, he's fucking great. He's fucking like this is the thing like we were talking about like before like Malachi Black and how everyone loves him and that was when he had kind of like the shackles on in WWE where he was like kind of under a, under like a very strict like kind of like writing process now where he's allowed the freedom to express his character the way he wants to. It's fucking great. It's captivating as fuck. It's we've we've got like a new series starting, haven't we? About missed opportunities. Yeah, and I think he, he talking about Alistair Black's going to be a fucking big one because how, how you take a man with that much potential and that much creativity, and then couple him with like the biggest production budget in the world of professional wrestling, and do absolutely nothing with it. It's yeah. just. Phenomenal! Like they even took away his like his entrance in NXT was. That's what they. I honestly the, the reason I started like watching. I I never watched. I, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I never saw Tommy End on the Indies. I didn't really. Know, I knew of him. I knew there was like. A, I just knew there was a a guy from Amsterdam who was like a, his character was a Satanist and he was. Uh, and like I know he because he, he's not allowed to perform in like certain countries because he's got like legitimate satanic tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy, but then like when I saw him in NXT when he made his debut, and like just the f- for the first time, like that music hits and he just rises up out the fog on like that little like, little platform. It was mm. oh, it, I was just instantly on board, like completely. I was like, right, whatever, whatever this guy does, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I love him. Um, th- there was a really cool bit in the match as well where uh, Pillman goes for a like drop kick through the ropes, and Brody just catches him and eats him into. <laughs> I just love Axel Brody's just a guy who'll just like he'll just pick you up out the air and just throw you at something. <laughs> like he's I, just a he's just a massive lad who's gonna throw you around. Yeah, I've I've been a fan of Brody Kings for a while from like seeing him in PWG. He's fucking awesome. I'm so happy he's getting like a big platform to kind of 
and he's a really nice guy as well. Like he does a lot of um, he does a lot of charity stuff. He he does um, he's very outspoken about LGBT rights. Uh, I saw a video I put on a Discord of him doing like lip syncing to Bad Romance for a, for like a, a, a charity event, um, and he was like spinning a drag queen's fake penis around like a helicopter. Which <laughs> <laughs> was incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I love Brody King. I love the fact that he's his everything's game is the Zodiac Killer as well. That's fucking cool shit. Yeah. Um yeah, I I think I think this year holds huge things for the House of Black. We'll, again, there's a question about it in the Discord stuff, so we'll we'll probably deep dive into it in a bit. Well, speaking about what's next for the House of Black, straight after the match. Oh yeah. Um, oh, spooky Pack is back. Spooky fucking evil pack in his flat in Newcastle, just going mental. Oh, I love it. Again, we talked about this last week, but I love the idea of like when Pac can't like let it out when he can't wrestle when he when he's stuck somewhere he just goes like fucking nuts. Yeah, <laughs> like he just he just consumes himself. Like if he can't wrestle, if he can't hurt someone, he just like explodes. Yeah, and then he comes back more violent than ever. Yeah, I, um, this was this was I, incredible. So he's oh, got like wait. he's got the, he's got the um the tarot card, the blind justice card and he's got his eyes and it's playing like all the clips like oh Mr. Bastard you might never see it, you might, you might never return all this and he's got his eyes like bandaged over oh and it's it's incredible uh, and then he, he basically says he sees what Malachi is he's just power hungry like everybody else in AW um, and he said he, he actually referenced it like you thought that this would be the moment that I called you the master he thought like he, he, thought, like, he basically yeah. said you tried, to, you tried to corrupt me, you tried to like, make me one of yours yeah. Uh, and then he basically said, uh, but now I'm going to make a martyr out of you, which is like, oh, fucking yeah. hell. This is, this is going to be horrendously brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's like the way he goes, I am uncorruptible. And, and then he, like, he, he, he takes his bandage off and like his eyes are, yeah. There, and it's like, he's got like the fucking crazy eyes because he's fucking Malachi powerful. Because he is. Terrified. Yeah. I, I like this idea of like Malachi is like, created this monster version of Pac that he now is like gotten a bit out of hand for even for him. Like, cause he's like the guy yeah. with the plan, isn't he? He's, he's like in, in, in storyline, he's like sort of two steps ahead of everyone, like playing yeah. a different game. But he's like, Pac's this just like absolute engine of chaos that he can't control. Yeah. Um, I, I loved as well. I got it, didn't, it, it was really cool the way they did it that they had like the split screen. Yeah. So they had on like the left side the pack vignette, and then on the right side they had Malachi reacting to it. Yeah, that was really cool. Really cool. I think that should be definitely used more because, especially when it, you've got a guy like Malachi who can really sell like his um, facial expressions and stuff like that. It, yeah, yeah, just just fucking awesome in it. Just so good. Oh, so for, from the highest of highs, um, we get back to some Dan Lambert stuff. Yeah. Which I know we we have to we have to get there. I don't um, mind Dan Lambert. I, I think I think for it's it was cool to see him with Jake because we got like heel yeah. Jake. I mean Jake was back, which which is nice. I mean he looked he didn't look great, did he? No, he looked he looked unwell. I really hope he's he's. I mean I know he's he's not in I know he's not in in great general health anyway because of his his lifestyle and his, his, his what's happened to him over his life. But mm. I really hope that you know whatever time he does have left with us, he is as healthy and comfortable as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good to see a heel Jake, Jake Roberts promo. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it's great. Speaking about, yeah, moving on from, from his, his appearance, from his actual, like, physical appearance, it was, it's just great to have him just spitting pure venom, which is great. Like, I, so he, heel Jake is, is just 
it's unparalleled. It's, it's only when he comes back and does these little things you remember, like, oh, shit, yeah, he's probably one of the best talkers of all time. Yeah, I, I really like um, like the kind of dynamic of heel Jake and Archer just, like, seething in the background because we've spoke about it before. Like, Archer doesn't really need Jake because he's a fucking great talker himself. Yeah. But I like, I like that, like, Jake's kind of almost, like, the thing, like, he's vocalising the violence that Arch is about to put on someone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's fantastic. Um yeah, I'm 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 actually really quite excited to see Archer V page. It won't be a, it won't be a Danielson star match. It'll just be it'll be big and ugly and it'll be yeah. hard hitting and it'll be really I fun. It's, it's good though because it shows like how versatile Hangman is because he's had like the kind of New Japan style match with Kenny. He's had the instant classics with Brian Danielson and now he's gonna have just a fucking slug fest with Archer. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is great. I mean, and this is basically, and this is quite important as well. Like Jake saying that basically Arch is not going to win in land anymore because uh, obviously Arch is not ranked. But the, the problem with the problem with AW at the moment because they reset the rankings at the start of the year, no one's ranked really properly. Yeah, because no one's got more than like one or two wins. So basically, climb <laughs> up the rankings. Quite. Basically, at this point, you can easily just say, "Well, the rankings are BS at this point because no one's wrestled enough." So here's this massive lad who's going to just have a fight because he's sick of waiting. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and it kind of works. So then, Rick, moving on then, uh, next up, we've got, this is really fun, uh, Trent and Rocky, Gate Crush, um, a Young Bucks promo that Cutler's setting up. Yeah. And Trent is just, like, super nice to him. Yeah. He's nicer to Brandon than he is to you. I, I mean, it's, I think, we'll talk about it a bit more when we get to Rampage, because he has, he ends up having a, a singles match. Um, but it really feels like they're positioning Trent for something other than the best friends. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they maybe something other than the best friends. I think maybe they're trying to like establish him as like kind of like Orange, where he doesn't necessarily need to be in a team. Yeah, he can just go off and do his own thing. But he's always got his best friends. So anyway, they they basically challenge the books. Rocky and Trent challenge the books to a tag match on Rampage. Uh, the return of Rapongi Vice for the first time in, in quite a while. So um, so. And one thing I really liked about this is they actually cut in like little bits of their matches in New Japan. So that even if you haven't, if you don't know the history, you get to see a bit of, of what they're talking about. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for when we finally get Rapongi Vice. Well, yeah, spoiler: it doesn't happen on Rampage. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Next up, then a match that got added to the show during the show. Like it was announced. It wasn't only announced when the show started. We had Lance Archer versus Frankie Kazarian, and. Yeah. Uh, I thought it maybe went a little long this match. Yeah, I, I thought I I didn't like the fact like the Archer took a while with Kazarian. Like, no disrespect to Frankie Kazarian, but I I feel like Archer should have just just destroyed, him, just battered him. Yeah, because there was like a bit of, but they it, it was it was weird. So like they they went on long enough to like tease a comeback for Frankie, but it never really happened. He just sort of like hung in and just didn't get pinned, but didn't really get anything in himself. And then yeah. the match just went on a little bit longer, and then eventually got the blackout for the win. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was it was a bit too long this match. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't dislike it. Uh, I mean, I I always enjoy watching. Lance Archer wrestle and Frankie's no slouch. You know, he always put in a good match. 
it wasn't bad. It just it just felt a little like it didn't really achieve what I think they wanted it to. It didn't really give Archer that monster aura that I thought because he, yeah. he, he took a little bit too long to take him out, and he was. I know a lot of it was like I think I, I think what they were trying to get over was like he just he, he picks his he picks his spot. He was it, it was over whenever he wanted it to be. Yeah, but he was just drawing it out a bit and like hitting him a bit harder and like like cutting off the comeback and everything. It, it didn't really give. He was in no danger at any point of losing. It was just a case of how much he wanted to hurt Kazarian. Yeah, but yeah. On t- but it just—I think it would have been more effective if he did not necessarily just squash, but like. So I think I think there was a there was a, a an ad break here, wasn't there? That if, if they'd have like either um, ended it before the ad break or even like they'd done before, ended during the ad break, and then show the finish when you come back. Yeah. Yeah, it it did feel as I say, it felt too drawn out for me. Start, I started getting a little bit bored of it just because it went, went a bit long. And so then we had a, a post-match promo with Dan Lambeth um, who thinks that cows make soy milk. <laughs> so he's not a cowboy, clearly. Um, although, just props from for, for using the phrase, he called him an East Coast dairy farmer who gives hand jobs to heifers. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strong visual right there. Yeah. Um, and then after that, he basically goes to uh, Lance Archer. That is, goes to choke slam Kaz on the stage. Hangman comes out and gets in Archer's face, and they have a big fight. Um, Archer ducks the buckshot, and Hangman close lines about the ring, and that's it. That's it. it sort of heats them up a little bit because it's nice. I, I like I like the idea that you know because he's he's a face. I like the idea that Hangman comes out to like stop this shit from happening. Um, yeah, I, I like I like the fact as well that Hangman didn't hit the bookshot because yeah. it, I think when you've got to save it, that for the match, I think you can't be giving yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it illustrates how devastating the bookshot is, and it puts it over like Lance Archer didn't want none of it. Like he was like, "No fuck, no, not the bookshot. I'm, I'm getting out of it. I'm going to duck that." You like, yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's, he's a big boy and he, he, you know, he, he'll stand there and take punishments, but even he doesn't want to butcher. Don't, don't worry about Wardlow. I'm going to take two. We'll address that when we get to it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, right then. Next up, we have Alex Marvez interviewing Dante Martin, Lee Moriarty, and Matt Seidel. I'm, I'm loving the idea. I'm loving the way they've just sort of managed to just slip Lee Moriarty into this picture. Is yeah. It, it, it was... anything, anything that gets me more Lee Moriarty is a good thing. Oh, Lee Moriarty great. Love them. Um, yeah, it, it was cool that um, almost like Matt Seidel's like kind of got this like sort of learning tree. Yeah, and it was whoever has, wants has, to like. Has Mike gone now? Is he like just? No, he's still there. I think. He's I know just... he got injured, didn't he, before that tag match? So he's sort of yeah. around since then. Yeah, he's probably doing yoga somewhere. Um, interesting that Dante addressed uh, Darius being gone for the first time in a while. Yeah. Maybe he's not long away from coming back. I think he's been. It feels like this. Feels like a veer situation. It feels like he's been like two weeks away for like three months. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate. I mean, this is like legitimate. Like he's he needs to get cleared. He needs to get ring ready. He needs to get because like he doesn't wrestle a conservative style. He needs to be fully on ball on the ball when he comes back. Yeah, he got a severe knee in, in injury. It's not like he got a, um, it. It's it's not like he fucking like cut his knees. No, was it ACL everything. ACL MCL wasn't it? Yeah, tore everything, mate. So that's like nine months at least. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so I like the idea that they've put together this sort of like ragtag team to take on Team Taz. And like, obviously, you've got the you've got the what's going to happen to the, with the dynamic of this when Darius comes back because that's sort of hanging over everything a little bit, like not sinister, but like sort of it's like oh, we're going to probably have to talk about this at some point because you know we are a tag team. He's my brother, but at the same time, I'm having a good time with Matt and Lee. So yeah, something's got to give. I, I like I like the fa- the faction of like top flight inside Dello. Yeah, they're they're a good fit because they, they all Obviously. do the they all do the flippy stuff, and then Lee Moriarty's just like I just want to grapple people on the floor. If if that be yeah. a thing that could happen, that'd be great. And everyone else is doing like Everybody. fucking mad flips and springboards. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, um, obviously, with Leo Rush, where uh, I was wondering where he was. Obviously, we found out last night that he's not renewing his contract with AW. Um, yeah. Also, so there was more on. We'll, we'll break into this real quick. I mean, we don't know like scoop our own news show. Go and listen to that, by the way, on um, on the radio and on the podcast feed. Um, but there, there was a you obviously you're you're a fightful guy. There was an, a little expanded input from fightful. Basically, said that uh, AW's talented. Said they haven't really seen him around since the start of December, which was when um, when he had like that sort of public falling out over the big swell situation. No, that was New Year's Eve. Was it? Yeah. Oh. So it was it predates that. So it's not it's not necessarily a something that's come oh, out. Oh, um he lost his grandmother, didn't he, at the start of um the start of a thingy. December. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's just I, I mean, we'll talk about it more on the news podcast, but it seems to be just a case of like he just Prefers to work around the Indies. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he, he, um, he, he's he's kind of like indicated that he's he's open to returning to AEW. Yeah, and he, he's open to working with them. Um, I think, we, I think we, have we got we might have a question about this actually. So I think we'll talk about this more detail towards the end. Yeah, um, we have. Um, but yeah, he's. I, I, I'm kind of gutted though that we didn't get Top Light and Leo Rush as a trio because I think that would be fucking it's exciting as hell. Yeah, or even just the Top Flight versus Leo Rush and someone else, or like all these permutations of matches with like top like flying talent would have been would have been fantastic. Leo Rush and Matt Seidel versus Top Flight would have been fucking mental. Yeah. Uh, anyway, then so moving on, we have the flip side of this. We then cut to Team Taz, uh, Ricky Starks and Hobbs, um, basically. Um, Hobbs tells Dante that he best have someone watching his back, his front, and his side to side, which is yeah, pretty cool. Hobbs is awesome. Hobbs, Hobbs just kept, like because obviously Starks is the main talker for for good reason. He's a really good talker, and he does he does the, the bulk of the work in this promo. But then um, Hobbs just comes in and puts up like, the, the, the exclamation point at the end, doesn't he? Which is great. Yeah, I, I like the fact as well, though. Like the the which it, it's really hard for people to do this for some reason. But even though um, Ricky Starks was talking. Hobbs was making sure that, like, you were, like, just by, by his, like, actions and mannerisms, that your eyes were also on him. You can't not look at him because he's fucking huge. Yeah, he, but... He, he, he naturally draws your attention anyway, but, like, like you said, when yeah. you add in, like, his, his like, his, again, we're talking we, about the third time we mentioned it on this on this podcast, like, his use of his facial expressions. Hmm. He's not just yeah. stood there like a lemon. He's, he's like, he's contributing, even without saying anything, he's contributing to the promo by using his facial expressions. Yeah. I thought that was it was really cool. Um, wouldn't be against seeing Hobbs and Starks going after the tag titles. Hobbs and Hook, mate. Give me what I want. Hobbs, Hobbs and Hook's like the dream team. But <laughs> I, 
I've got an I've got a feeling that like Starks and Hook are gonna switch roles here and Hook doesn't need the tag titles, he's gonna straight for the big belt, mate. Hook the FTW championship, I know. Um <laughs> and then he's gonna go off the Cody and then he's gonna go off the hangman. It's fine. The real belt collector. The real belt collector hook. Uh, right. Next up then, another interview. So like, and this is a bit weird. You know, it's, it's one of the, the quirks of AW. We have three interviews back to back. Which is just it, sometimes it just happens and you have to just run with it. Uh, next up you have uh, Tony interviewing Chris Statlander, Red Velvet, and Leila Hirsch. They basically sort of complain a bit about the match last week where Statlander and Hirsch couldn't get on the same page. They were sort of like tagging each other in and out. Um I like this. Hirsch mentions that like by losing they didn't get they didn't get to the pay window and so it cost Hirsch money. Yeah. Yeah, and bring in a bit of a, a bit of, you know, a bit of kayfabe back, brother. And yeah. then Red Velvet tries to calm it down, and then Hirsch just blind, like, wails on her from behind, just, like, knocks her to the floor. Uh, and then Statlander's like, what the fuck? And then Hirsch just puts her in our bar. So, yeah. But we all ready for badass heel later. Um, uh, because I am. Yeah. Just just book her like Shayna Baszler should have been booked. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Strong booking. Next up, then we have Serena Deeb in action, and she basically just annihilates Sky Blue. Poor Sky Blue. Oh, I mean, she does like she does it properly. Like she she does it with like she runs around the outside of it, gets back in the ring. Um, big neck breaker, that, like guillotine on the rope was spicy, and yeah. then finishes. She just basically grabs. Um, Sky's knee rams into the mat a couple of times and then puts her in the serenity lock for a quick tap out. Yeah, I like that she's um I like that she's kind of like doing that, diving into that a bit more, like the whole slamming the knee into the mat. Yeah. Um next up then we had another few couple of promos. We had Stan Lambert doing work tonight, man. How he's getting how he's getting paid by the hour. Oh, he's, uh, he's backstage with Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Ethan Page has a legitimate death witch because he calls out John Moxley. Yeah. A- actual future mayor, the victim, Ethan I mean, Page. That, that's like running into a buzzer at this point. <laughs> the, 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 the sort of the mood Moxley's in and the sort of, the, you know, the sort of fire he's got inside of at the moment. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and he, he basically says, well, you've been gone, I've been racking up victories, let's have a fight. And he calls himself AEW's franchise player. Well, does have does have their Shane Douglas vibes? Does all ego, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see exactly what he's made of when we get to Rampage. Uh, next up, then, real quick before we get to the main event, we have um, Tony backstage one last time with Matt Hardy and Andrade. Um, I love just like a casual butcher in like his street clothes, just on the stairs in the, in the background. Oh, but 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 just trimmed his beard though. I don't like that. Mm. That that made me really sad. It doesn't look like Evil Santa quite so much now. No. Um, still, still got all the time in the world for the butcher oh, and the blade. We need more butcher. Well, as soon as they're back, we need them to go against Jurassic Express. Absolutely. Butcher's injured, didn't he? Yeah, he, he hurt himself in that match with Ishii, didn't he? Torn his bicep clothesline in Ishii. <laughs> turns out, it turns out you can't clothesline a quick one. <laughs> no, it turns out you hit like a <laughs> literal statue. It will really hurt. Actual gargoyle, Tommy Hero. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, um, so basically the, the gist of this is that um, Matt Hardy has decided to sell 51% of the Hardy family office to Andrade. Um, but then, so I, I mean, I'm not, despite the fact that I like legitimately own a business, I'm not quite sure how this works in America. So he sold 51% of the business to Andrade, but he has three seats on the board. So he'll still run the day-to-day operations. 
even though Andrade only has two seats on the board for him and Jose. It, it, was, it was Hardy's other two seats, did he say? Um, yeah, Proud Party. Proud Party. Yeah. So he's absolutely getting so, ghosted from this, isn't he? This is going oh, badly yeah. for Matt. Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny are going to fucking side with Andrew Daddy and then I, I like as well uh, that Andrade he's just like straight away like oh yeah we need to get that kid <laughs> <laughs> we need to buy that kid from Sting <laughs> he's on a mission to get Darby Allen's contract off Sting yeah so he's still on Darby uh, and then I'm going to be known as the AHFO the Andrade Hardy yeah. family office so so he is the CEO and Andrade is the president. Again, it's all kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I'm sure this is just going to end. This is going to be a way to get Matt out of that and probably turn him face, probably when Jeff comes in and they have one last tag run against like uh, private party and everyone. And the butcher and the blade. And, the and, the blade. and then, they can, then they can finally have a retirement match with the Young Bucks. Mm. So that'd be, yeah. that'd be awesome. Right, moving on to the main event then. We had, Sting, we had Sting and Derby versus the Acclaimed. Um, little, some little notes from Max Caster's intro rap. Um, he basically says they'll leave their teeth more crooked than most politicians, and he'll make Sting look worse than Starcade '97. Fuck me. Um, I, I like the the whole like fact he did the he did the like video thing, didn't he? Like to take the piss out of it, the Sting and Derby cinematic match. Oh yeah, with um. Sting accidentally running over Derby. Sting run, runs over Derby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Because um, it was like, it was Bowens as Derby. Because he, he can't skate, he's on like a little mini scooter. Yeah, I was going to say, I love that he had the fucking micro scooter instead of a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so this match, well, I didn't think, I didn't see this match turning out the way it did. So it starts off with Derby getting um, taken out on the outside before the match starts. They put a chair around his neck and throw him into the ring into the ring post. Um, yeah, and that's it. Derby's just fucked. He's like on the floor, like not moving. And so it's basically Sting in a handicap match. They basically say, "He yeah. says to Sting, do you still want to go?'" And Sting's like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." Yeah, it, it um, he actually gets taken to the back, doesn't he? Derby. Yeah, I, I yeah. found it weird though that we didn't like. Why didn't someone come and like fill in for Derby? Like who? They're, they're hoodlums, mate. They got no friends. Punk. Nah, they're hoodlums. They, they don't. They don't. They don't have any. Uh... Empty man. But, uh, the fucking Sting to make up on the other day. True, but uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the. I just, I mean, I enjoyed just Sting in twenty twenty two having a handicap match and it going yeah. really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. To be fair, as well, I, I just, I just love seeing Sting fucking killing it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how he's the, the amount, the amount of fucking, the amount of like fucking people who were just shitting on the fact that Sting was going to be an active competitor when he signed for AW, and it just shows that we knew fucking nothing. Yeah, I was scared to see what Sting was going to be like. And then the match they had with the men of the year was when I was like, okay, yeah, Sting's fucking going to be fine. Yeah, because like, even, like even like AW, they played it safe. Like they did like, the cinematic match to start with. And like that was obviously it, very, very well done to like hide any, any deficiencies. And then you're like, oh, no, he's fine. He can just go. Yeah. Like that, that yeah, with men of the year was fucking awesome. Yeah. Like you said, that was the moment where it was like, oh, no, yeah, Sting's all right. It's fine. Yeah. We, we, can just, we can just do this. Um, so Darby does eventually to make it back out. Um, out on the outside, Bowens hits Sting with the boombox, but then Darby just appears out of fucking nowhere and annihilates everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like he, does, he does that Darby thing where he just appears from the edge of the screen at a light speed. They, they looked like they were going to buckle bomb Sting off the steps into the ring post, didn't they? Which they 
did threaten to do in the mutual video last week. Yeah. Um, Darby just like fucking morphs into a just, tele- <laughs> just teleports in and just like annihilates everyone, just blows up everyone. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Then it, it takes on a uh, comes out a sort of regular tag match then. Yeah. Do you reckon we're going to get a Sting singles match this year? I think he could do it. I mean, he literally did one there, didn't he? He didn't have Derby with him for most of it. Uh, before right. this match ends right. as well, he also he cross-bodies Max Caster through a fucking table. Yeah. <laughs> off the stage. Sting jumps off the stage through a table. Yeah. Just, why not? Just Because again. because 2022, just get fucked, basically, if you think Sting can't do it. it it's literally like Sting getting that fucking career and the neck injury and taking time off to recover is like de-aged them like fucking 15 years and he's like fucking TNA Sting all over again he's been in the uh, he's been in the hyperbaric time chamber he's, he's just been like getting stem cell treatment <laughs> it was insane like, like it's like that episode of the cell park where Christopher Reeves uh, eating <laughs> all the fucking cell uh, uh, fetuses so yeah so while Sting's getting splashing caster through a table um, which got a huge holy shit chant from the fans, rightly so. Yeah. Um, back in the ring then, uh, Bowens, who had earlier exposed the turnbuckle for his own nefarious purposes, ended up running into it. And then Darby hits him with a coffin drop for the win. Yeah. That's full match. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool to see, like, one, that the acclaimed are being put in this position now where they can be trusted to, to headline Dynamite and do the main event. They, they, they trust the, the acclaimed not only to headline and main event Dynamite, they also trusted the two of them to work Sting for, like, a good five minutes by himself. Yeah. Which yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah, it was really, really, really good fun. Uh, right. That's if dynamite, do you wanna quickly bash through some highs and lows? Yeah. Uh, my low was Arkham Kazarian. I thought it just went too long. I, as I said before, I kind of started getting bored, which I love. I like both guys. I just I just think it was a little bit too long in the tooth. Um, and my high was the Kings of the Black Throne. Just that, I mean, was. just a whole segment from like their entrance right through to the spooky pack was yeah. probably the best. Ten- on, on a show that had legitimately great moments, it was probably the strongest 10 minutes of the entire show. Yeah, it was just cool as shit. Um, and that new entrance music absolutely fucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm 100% with you on both of those. Um, yeah, we said we, we talked we talk about the Kazmatch, just felt a little clunky, a little too long. And yeah, like I said, like I literally said, that 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 mid that, that little stretch from the black that, um, from the House of Black coming out to the pack promo was just that captivated me like completely. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I was 100% in on that, right? Then we'll bounce along to Rampage. Um, so first of all, we have. Um, John Moxie versus Ethan Page to get the show off and oh god it's good to see Moxie come out and do his full entrance isn't it oh yeah it was awesome um, yeah it, it, it was it was cool as well that they um, they weren't afraid to like have Mox kind of take a, the brunt of the offence in this match yeah, well, it made sense because like the whole the narrative behind the match was that Moxie's not wrestled for like three months and Ethan Page uh, yeah, has been has did a really good job of kind of illustrating that saying oh yeah like he's he's lost a lot of weight it takes a while to kind of get used to like wrestling in a different weight class yeah almost um 
like I suppose like a boxing MMA kind of term, isn't it? But and Ethan Page is a bit of a he's he's discreetly quite a beefy boy. Yeah, like he bulked up a little bit, hasn't he? He's been getting down the arm. He's been seeing Dave Arby, mate. Yeah, I mean his fucking his fucking days are like filth. <laughs> he's, he's like he's like possibly rivaling the rock for like obscene cheat days. See Caesar Benoni um Caesar Benoni's um calling him out and not saying he wants to challenge him and Dan Housen to an eating contest. <laughs> I would watch that. Put that on BTA and I will watch it. I, I would fucking love that. <laughs> the stays up and eating the shit on a steak, just going Dan Housen. Uh, so right, so yeah, um, again, like you say, Moxie took a lot of the offense, especially early on. Um, Page took him to the outside, took him to the guardrail, took him through the timekeeper's table. Um, yeah, Moxie, and it, it felt like it almost felt like um, Page, like the narrative of the match, almost felt a bit like Page had to get it done early and like put Mox away. Otherwise, yeah. if Mox if Mox got to the point where he just got pissed off, it was game over. Yeah, which is pretty much what happened. <laughs> If you play um if you play MMOs or online gaming, um say Moxie hit his rage timer and just went yeah. fucking postal on page towards the end. Yeah, it was the it was the fact he just started like no selling hit punches and kicks and was just like lampant page. Jesus. Like he woke back he woke back up after like his time off. And Jesus Christ, the I thought he was like legitimately killing him with a bulldog choke at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I want anything to happen to me less. And for John Moxley to put me in a bulldog chair. No, I, 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 I don't want my head to be removed from my body. It looked insane. It looked so good. Um, so yeah, match the match was. I mean, we're, we're glossing over it a little here, but like the match was incredible. It, it was, it was like it told a really good story. They, they worked really well together. I thought Mox and, and Page I thought they did a really good job. Um, they had really good chemistry, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, like really good. I would um, be against seeing them go like again. Oh yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's definitely some more money in there. Mm. I, I I liked as well. Like, I, it would have. I, I think the easy way out of Mox's like return match would have been just to have him absolutely murder Ethan Page. Yeah, I like the fact that it was actually the other way around. Page was like, he he, was, he he saw the opportunity. Like, this is a guy who's not rested for three months. Like I say, you come in heavy at the start and you try and just overpower him and like. Yeah. Catch him by surprise, but then, like you said, Mox is able to just using his like natural toughness is able to, to tough it out and get himself back in the match to a point where he he like I said he wakes up and just goes ballistic on Page. By the time Mox is like fully firing at the end of the match, he's just got far too much for Page. Like he can't yeah. handle it. he can't hang. I really I really hope like this year the men of the year get like a proper like run of run at something because even though they've had like big matches like they obviously they had the Sting and Derby match and they had. The inner circle match, which ugh. um, I, I kind of want them to like really get something they can sink the teeth into, and I feel like this could be the start of that because, like, yeah. Ethan Page was Ethan Page looked like he belonged in the ring with Moxley, he didn't look out, he didn't look out of place. No. He didn't look, I mean, Ethan, be, like, Ethan Page is like, easily a top 10 wrestler in this company, maybe a top five in terms of entering ability. Yeah, he's fucking incredible. So, Scorpio Sky, though, yeah. In both of them, like they could easily have singles runs. Um, I, I again, they're a team I really want to see kind of like go after the tag titles and just. I mean, you've got you've got you've got face champions now. This is the time to bring all your nasty heel teams in and, and have them do bits. Yeah, I think Man of the Year could have like a really good match with Jurassic Express. Yeah, 
So and after the match then, um, Paige just got out the ring quick enough so Moxie just gives him a power down shift for his troubles because he's a pissed off motherfucker. Well, Paige, um, like it was it was really cool, like the way Paige kind of like it like they made it out that he passed out, not tapped, which was great. Because again, it kept Paige looking strong. And I feel like that's that, that's important that they're, they're trying to like that they're trying to establish Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as bigger deals than they are at the moment, which is cool. Um but like Paige kind of like comes to like almost immediately. Yeah, so they, they sold it like it was like an MMA style, like a blood choke, where like Mox just knocked yeah. him right out straight away, and then as soon as he let the hole go, he was back. But he, he just like didn't really know where he was, and he was sort of like a bit discombobulated. So Mox is like, "Oh fuck this!" Then you, you can have a paradigm shift. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought it, well, he goes to shake his hand, doesn't he? Yeah, and then yeah, and then Mox just kills him. <laughs> And then after that, then we have a little, as Mox is leaving through the crowd, he has a little stare down with Mr. Brian Danielson. Oh, Mox is in danger. <laughs> I, Mox, think the, Mox, I, think the, I think the world is in danger when that Mox takes place. Mox is in so much danger. He's going to get his head fucking caved. <laughs> can't wait. I actually can't wait for that match. I'm so excited. Like I said, it's the match we should have got at the pay-per-view. So it feels like yeah. again, they're, they're wasting no time and bringing us right back there, which is really cool. Yeah, I think, I think as well. Like, it was cool the fact that Danielson, because when like he was walking, I didn't even realize it was Danielson. I thought it was just a fan. Yeah, but then it's like, and, oh shit, no, there it is. And then it's it. close, and I was like, oh fuck, that's Danielson. <laughs> oh god. And then like Mox kind of like looks at him, and then just like sort of like knocks past him, doesn't he? And like Danielson just laughing to himself. I was like, oh, this so it's so simple, so simple, so effective. Oh. Just like that little, yeah. that little, like little, like little moment they had, which was great. Uh, right next up, then very quickly, Jurassic Express were backstage. They basically say, "Yeah, Gun Club, let's go. We'll do it." Um, they're going to stop them into the ground, apparently. The Jungle Boy called uh, Gun Club the Ass Boys multiple times. Yeah, Danhausen. Danhausen went. Danhausen replacing Christian confirmed. Danhausen replacing Marco Stunk confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, right. Boris just on masks and it's Danhausen. <laughs> Next up then, we had... So, obviously, because of uh, Rocky Romero got COVID, he put it on Twitter earlier this week, um, he would not be able to take part in the tag match. This is a bit unfortunate because he got COVID, like, after Dynamite, and normally they film Rampage on the same night. But this, week, going, did, yeah. this week they did a live one, and because they did, their reward was they didn't get the match because Rocky got COVID in between. It was one of the first times, like, we've got a fucking... We've got a live dynamite in a while. Probably not since Punk was it, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a lot. I think it was Grand Slam was maybe the last live one. No, nah, it wasn't live. That was pretty good. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, sorry. So even that was, you know, not live. But yeah, it, it kind of, kind of, uh, it was um, kind of bit them in the was, ass here because it basically meant we, we couldn't get the tag match. But yeah, it's fine. We'll get it at some point. They always make yeah. good on these things. Like Rocky's not going anywhere. Is he? He's, he's over in the US for the, for the long haul. Yeah, can't wait. So, but instead we got a fucking treat because we got Trent versus Nick Jackson. Yeah. And you want to talk about two guys who are tag team specialists but are really underrated in the singles competition. Then here we are. Yeah. This, really... ma- this match was a fucking bomb burner. Oh, it was, it was awesome. Like, you, you forget how like good Nick Jackson is until like he's, he's put in a singles match and it's like, oh yeah, he's really fucking good. And then Trent's new wrestling style, and now he's back from injury, is just fuck my neck. Yeah. 
Pretty like much. I, I, I know you've I know you've had your neck like surgically repaired, mate. But it, it's not like it's not made out of like titanium. <laughs> he's, he's testing the fucking the fusion surgery, putting it to the testing it as much as he can. Yeah, because Jesus Christ, some of the bumps here were ridiculous. Yeah, man. It was. I mean, it was awesome. It was just. It was like fifteen minutes of just non-stop. I, I can't even go into like specific spots because there was just so much of it. Um, it was like Canadian destroyers. There was. Like, Nick did four fifty onto the stage. Yeah, there was like swinging DDTs, gnarly DDTs, German suplex. Just everything was just like neck and head based offense. Like everything was targeting everybody's neck. Yeah, I love on Trent's entrance as well, where he like kind of like high fives everyone and then just ignores you. <laughs> yeah, again, the building something there. Like, oh, there's a bit on BT as well, where like Trent's going to you and be like, "Yeah, you're a piece of shit." I hate you. I I, I don't know whether it's gonna be like. Uh, well, they're doing the whole thing, aren't they? Where, like, they even did it where, like, you pretended that he was Trent. So, yeah. Um And I, I, th- I think that the thing they're trying to get is over is the fact that maybe Trent feels like they tried to replace him with you while he was out. Yeah. I I, I feel it's... I, I don't think it's going to be a match. Well, they might, they might do a singles match of Yuzo and Trent. I, I think we're more likely to just kind of do something where Yuzo wins, like, all of the best friend's respect because he is, like, He's like their understudy, isn't he? Uh, apparently, the Utah versus Penta match on Dark this week absolutely fucks. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so maybe that could be the start of it. Wheelie Utah is criminally underrated. Yeah. So good. Uh, it's a really fun match. Um, it ends with um, Nick going for a 450 for a very close to two count. And then he goes for a super kick. Hits him, goes for another one, misses, and then Bretta hits was a strong zero for the win. Yeah. So yeah, awesome match. Like f- literally just bell to bell, like fast paced. Imagine like a young book's best friends match, except with two of the guys taken out, and that's basically what you got here. I was kind of like when when they announced this, I was kind of mad that we didn't get like the just just get young books first best friends, but it feels like the building up to that. Yeah. I think I think I think it's telling that they didn't replace Rocky with Chuck here and they made Trunk of himself. I think that tells to the way they're building the story. Yeah. It does. They thought Which, it, they thought it sat, was it was more important to get the spotlight on Trent than to put Chuck in at this point. Mm. Again, Chuck Taylor was seething backstage all week. Not only did he not get to say fuck, he also doesn't get to be in the tag match. Yeah. Well, it, it Chuck's Chuck's quite a bit older than Trent though, isn't he? Um possibly. Trent. Trent's only in like his early. Th- I'm sure Trent's like deceptively young because he was like 22 when he was working with WWE. It feels like it's just Trent's been around forever, so he feels yeah. like super old. Dude, Chuck is 35. That's not that old. I no, Trent, I thought. And Trent I thought is Trent's 34. 34. Okay. I know what you mean. If Trent feels like he should be like in his early 40s because he feels like he's been wrestling for like 30, like 25 years. Yeah, I, I think I think Trent's definitely like the kind of I don't know. The, I love both of them. I think our best friends are like one of my favorite tag teams in all of AEW just I mean, because they're so. He made his W. He was in WWE 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I was going to say he was like 20, 21, 22 when he wrestled yeah. WWE. So there we go. So yeah, it, again, another like little intriguing bit there. We'll see. We'll see how the how the best friends dynamic because they they're obviously going to come out on the losing side of the of this big feud they've got with the elite. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd love it if 
I'd love it if Best Friends got a tag title run at some point. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there's so many people that you, we said that like four to, about four different teams in this one episode. In this one episode, yeah. I, I, I think just because Chuck Taylor's awesome and like it's great to see him on like national TV. Yeah. Well, global TV. Um, Seeing him just on his bullshit, like no fucks given. Yeah, and he's still he's still Chuck Taylor. Um, yeah, he hasn't dumbed it down or he hasn't like reined it in for anyone. What one of the nicest people I've met in wrestling as well. Awesome. A genuinely cool guy. All right, then next up, then we had another little vignette on Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. I really like the way they do this. Like they're really building up Mercedes to be a. She hasn't even wrestled properly in AW. She hasn't. She hasn't done a match yet. But they're making her feel like a massive deal with this by putting her in this. She hasn't done a match in AW. she? Yeah, she was in the casino battle. Well, I mean, like since she's been back. Since she's back, yeah. Uh, they, they've really, they've really built her massive by like making this Thunder Rosa feud seem like a big deal, and it's. I'm- I think, Surprised they haven't done this match on Beach Break. Yeah, um, it's I mean, definitely it, got a lot to do it than um, than Red Velvet and Layla. It's coming, isn't it? Though it's it's definitely it's, we're getting it soon. Yeah, uh, so yeah re- announce it announce it for Beach Break this week. Possibly, or oh, they announce it at Beach Break for like soon. For Chicago. So anyway, next up then we're going for Hook. Um, Hook's music hits. I mean, it's great in it. A little action Bronson for you. And Hook comes out looking like a million bucks. Sepentico is already in there. I love the way they start this matchup. So Sepentico does I, the thing with all the streamers, and like Hook yeah. doesn't even wait. He just like fucking wipes him out straight away. All it, this... was, it was the fact as well, though, that Taz like on commentary was like, "Oh man, Sepentico is in danger here. Hook's been in a bad mood all day. <laughs> He's to beat somebody up." And then as soon as the bell rang, Hook's just murdering him. And like he doesn't even have time to get the streamers out, and he gets all tangled up in them. And like even Hook doesn't even like he doesn't even pay them any attention. Like he doesn't even like bat them away from himself. He just like goes straight in there. Like he's still got his jacket on. He's still wrapped up in all the fucking streamers. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, Hook yeah, puts... got his jacket off, did he? No, no, he just goes right in there. Uh, Took um, loads of suplexes. He, he's actually start. I noticed in this match he started using some like judo takedowns as well. Yeah, he did them in the match against um, Aaron Solo. Yeah. He had a couple of judo throws. Um, yeah, he's, you can tell he's his father, some can't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's just all suplexes, submissions, and yeah, throws. Even, but even down to like his footwork, he's got the same footwork as Taz. Like, yeah. And like the same movement, I guess, like prime Taz, not like fucking WWE Taz when he was fucked. No, you, you like like we said on like that um, technique with Taz the other week, like the way he pops his hips on his suplexes is unbelievable. Yeah, he's Hook's Hook's gonna be a big star. Yeah, he's going to be a fucking huge deal in a couple of years' time. Like there, there, there's people, I think it was Mark Henry actually compared like Hook's run already to like what WCW did with Goldberg, and he was like, I can see that like this is where they're going, and I was just thinking. It's just, if if Hook like just goes on an undefeated streak and then chokes out MJF for the title, I'm fucking here for it. Well, so we, we get something else new here. So Hook basically just grabs a pentagon from behind, lifts him up by his like head, and locks in the red room like while he's in the air. Yeah, like Taz used to. <laughs> yeah, which is incredible. It looked, it looked it looked amazing. It looked like he was fucking murdering him. Yeah. Oh, Red Room's made the backwards, mate. You know, Rare Relic is killer backwards, isn't it? So, you know, it's it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So, Hook doesn't let go of the hold afterwards. Uh, QT Marshall comes out. 
um, and basically as Hook walks past him, he just ignores him, and he sort of he sort of runs him down and grabs him by the arm. And as soon as he turns around, Hook just fucking suplexes him. I I want like a reoccurring thing every week of just Hook suplexing QZ Marshall, like like AEW's version of Lana through a table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if like if, if he just comes out and he's like, like he he knows he already knows what's gonna happen. He's like, oh no 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 no, and then Hook just like, grabs uh, yeah, him. And, it, like, it's like this. This is a really deep cut. Um, but Stephen Larson uh, from the Going Raw podcast did the thing where they booked Raw on uh, WWE 2K19, and every episode ended with Braun Strowman throwing Randy Orton off a truck. Um, <laughs> but like, but like, surprise, motherfucker! And like, there was one where like Braun Strowman was like, where like Randy was in catering and Braun Strowman was dressed as a fucking chef, and he just threw him off a truck. I want that <laughs> to be the thing. Hook just suplexes a QZ and then stands on him and walks off. <laughs> Yeah, but like QT, he's like picked up his dry cleaning and he turns around, Hook's just there and he just like fucking throws him. Um, Hook, Hook's just like getting a fucking drink from like catering and QT starts like running him down so Hook just fucking suplexes him. Oh, do it, do it, Tony, you coward. Oh, uh, I, that's all I want. I, I want Hook's career to just every week just be him fucking celebrating a match by suplexing QT Marcel. Right, then we'll move on to the main event. So, obviously, this is the TBS title match. Uh, Jake Hargill defending against Anna Jay. We had a really cool uh, Mark Henry promo segment beforehand, like the, the sort of rampage style. Um, primarily because you had, well, not only were the women really good in this, you also had um, John Silver and Mark Sterling there as well, which obviously makes yeah. everything great. Um, John Silver lip sync and uh, time for the main event. Oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Uh, nice, nice little line. Did you see Mark Henry trying to like stopping himself from laughing though this week? Mark's corpse and Bullet Silver doing it. Um, so yeah, Anna Jay said that tonight TBS stands for Back Bitch Slayer. Oh, uh, something, I... Sarah, something Sarah pointed out when we watched this match. It's kind of odd. This is the first defense of the TBS title, but it's on TNT. Yeah. Ah, well. And then next week on TBS, we're going to defend the <laughs> TNT title. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I. I love this match. I thought it was both women's best match they've had in AW. Yes, absolutely. I was I was literally about to say that. I was like, this I, is it's comfortably Jade's best match, and I think it's probably Anna's as well. I really, really not not anytime soon, but down the line, I want Anna to be the one to dethrone Jade. Well, if if this is like the the marker, if this like if this because this is the first defense, and then if Anna goes on the journey now, like the, the sort of the mini hangman journey to come back, come full circle. Yeah. And come back and take Jake down. Then yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, they, they both they, they were both trained at uh, the Nightmare Factory, and I think it really showed they they really had that chemistry down. Like yeah, uh, and don't forget, like a lot of times when we talk about like good AEW women's matches, we're talking about like there's a Britt Baker in there or a Thunder Rosa or a Serena Deeb. Like these women are both fairly inexperienced, so there was no ring general here. There was no one leading them through this match. They did it all by themselves. Yeah. Which I is the, which makes it even Jerry, more impressive. Didn't Jerry Lynn uh, help them quite a lot with this as well? Apparently, they so uh, backstage um, report was that they worked on it a lot because um, they really wanted to to show off what they could do. Uh, mm. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I know um, Dustin works a lot with the women's division, doesn't he? And Kenny. And Kenny. Well, I don't even know Kenny's. I don't. Is Kenny like around or is he properly off? Nah, he's he's, he's got COVID. Hasn't he? I mean, while he's recuperating, like, full oh, from his injuries. No, no. I think he's probably off. Yeah. But I think he, he's still, like, giving, like, he's still giving, like, the women's division feedback on the matches and stuff like that from what Fair I understand. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 and apparently there were a lot of eyes on this match. 
within the company. A lot of people were very interested in seeing how it went, and it, I think I think they I think they put on a fantastic showcase. I died it. I think, as I say, comfortably both women's best match they've had in AW, um, and I think these two are definitely the future of the women's division. Like they, they, them, Ty Conti as well, and I don't know who the fourth would be. Probably, probably say Rio or Serena, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, Serena, um, I like the kind of. They're, they're like the four pillars of the women's division. Red Velvet. I mean, you can make a case for like, Sky Blue if she keeps developing. Um, yeah, Sky Blue looked impressive like in the uh, matches I've seen her. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a great match. Um, they had a bit of bit, bits on the outside with the with two guys as well. Um, John Silver gave Mark Sterling a brain buster on the map. Yeah, because why not? Because, yeah, if you're there, why not? Um, let's do it. Um, it was great. Uh, Jade was able to break out of Queenslayer. Uh, and then she locked it in again, and then Jade just goes, "Well, oh, fuck you." Then I'll just do uh, Raquel Gonzalez's finisher, but like yeah. literally walk halfway across the ring with it because I'm strong as fuck. Yeah, when um, when Anna reversed the uh, Jade into the Queen's Lair as well, it was fucking awesome. <sighs> yeah, that was really good. Like, like I say, then- it, it, it's so impressive as well, considering like how relatively inexperienced both these women are. To be, yeah. able to, to be able to put on a match of this quality and how I mean there were one or two moments where it, like it, it was a little stop starty but the, for the most part it was smooth as anything yeah yeah it, it's mad like I was we were talking like it was only like two weeks ago we were talking about how um, there were moments in that uh, match with Ruby where Jade looked a bit out of her depth but it didn't feel it in this match at all I think they they played very well to each other's strengths here like they, they did yeah. all the things they're good at which was a very sensible way to approach the match yeah, um, yeah, it was it was cool as well. That like, like a, a lot of Jade's matches, she kind of the the idea is to make Jade look like a fucking beast. Yeah, and Jade gave Anna a lot in this match, which was cool because, as I say, I think both of them are kind of the future of the women's division in AW. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, she after the one on Powerbomb, um, Jade followed up with Jaded got the win and that was her 25th win in AW so they put a graphic up saying she was 25 and 0 I like this I like that I like that the making it a big deal that when Jade does lose the belt not only she's losing the belt she's getting a first defeat in AW yeah well that's that, that was one of the reasons why I was a little concerned about them putting it on her because like you tie it all in like so the belt is now intrinsically linked to Jade being undefeated because you, you, you literally can't have one without the other now Mm. But they, they did that with Miro as well with the TNT title. Yeah, but I mean, it will make whoever whoever takes her out, depending on how long how, how long they they build it for. Whoever takes her out and gives her the first loss will get a massive rub, and it will, like you say, I would I would I would have no problem at all with it being Anna or even Ty. Yeah, I think I think I am. Yeah, Ty's not a bad shot at all. She, um, yeah, I think I think either. Would I'd be happy? I I I think. I'd really like it to be Anna because they've obviously done the whole, they've done like the first defense and then she's coming back around and like and working. Quite interestingly, to- she would also be the first person since Brody to bring gold to the Dark Order. Yeah, as well. Which, which would be awesome because she is, she is like, she is in universe. She is like quietly the most competent member of the Dark Order. Well, she was like Brody's, like, Brody, what was he called? Like, is like secret weapon or something like that. He was her like, he was her like special 
his special pick. That's why he gave her um, Wayne Gretzky's number because he was she was his Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, and it would it would be nice if like uh, obviously the TBS Championship is like the women's equivalent of the TNT Championship, which was the belt Brody won. Yeah, if Anna won that belt. Yeah, right. So that's it for Rampage then. Um, just before we move on to questions, very quickly, Jay, do you want to give us your highs? And if you've got any lows, I know it's, it's only hard to pick a low for... A low. Didn't have a low. Um, my high was the main event, the women's match. was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, again, it was... It, all the matches on this show were really strong. But again, you say it was... Well, we didn't even talk about that. Like, they, they also put them in the main event spot as well, which was great. Yeah. A really good show of, of confidence in mm. AEW to these two women. And they... And they they held up that their end of the bargain, you know, they put on a really good match. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really loved that match. I thought it was brilliant. I thought both of them looked excellent. Um, yeah. Uh, I will, I'll go for something different then, just so we can talk very briefly something else. Uh, I'm staying with you, I've got no low. It's, I find it really hard to pick a low for Rampage because when you've only got an hour of telly, you, you, it's really hard to get them bad in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for Nick Jackson versus Trent because... It was another example of AW just making, taking a bad situation and making something great out of it, which they're really good at doing. Like you couldn't have your, your tag match to age a fifty-minute banger with Nick Jackson and Trent, and Matt's gonna have a night off. So yeah, he's the real winner. Yeah, um, that's a fair, fair one as well. Uh, right, we'll move on to some questions then. We have had quite a few on um, all, all from Troy, all from Troy. Um, you can tell someone, someone's on a train on the way home, can't you? Yeah. Uh, so he said, first one, he says, thoughts on upcoming con- contracts coming to an end. Um, where do you see these people going afterwards? Uh, so, again, to dip into the news, obviously we mentioned Leo Rush before. It sounds like Marco Stunts, Joey Janela, Brian Cage and Peter Avalon's contracts are all not getting renewed. Um, however, Peter Avalon is still going to be working on a pair appearance thing. yeah it sounds like he's moving to, I think that's I think that's going to be the case for a lot of these talent um, now especially that the, the wrestling world is open back up again uh, where do I see these people going I see them just being doing the indies and doing a bit of AW as well maybe like especially I, Janela's going to stick around because he's like their bridge to GCW isn't he but he's obviously heavily yeah. involved in that I yeah I, I think a lot of these guys like even Leo Rush kind of like made it like clear that he's still on very good terms with AEW He's just not contracted to them. Yeah. And I, I, where do I see them going? Well, exactly where they are, because maybe a bit more, you'll see a bit more of them on the Indies and a bit less of them in AW because they won't be, they won't be like the main roster of like contracted talent that they, because like, yeah. we'll talk about it a bit more for the second question as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see an awful lot changing in how, because like, it's not like Joey Janela was running main events programs with people. He was doing matches on Dark and the occasional bit here and there on Rampage and Dynamite. Will he still do that? I think he will absolutely. What you'll also see is him doing a lot more of his like his passion project is GCW, isn't it? Like that's what his that's yeah. what his passion is. Yeah, and he's quite uh, heavily involved, like in the behind the scenes in GCW as well, isn't he? Yeah, you're going to see more Joey Janela's Spring Break. You're going to see, you know, all, all that nonsense. He's uh, about, about to have a death match with um, Matt Cardona tonight, by the sound of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to tie that into the next question, so uh, Troy also asked, why is Leah Rush so criminally underused? I think it's unfortunate, but... I, I think it's, it's well, it, I'll, I'll let you say your bit and then I'll, I'll kind of add to it. Well, he literally said in his 
over the, over the past few months, he's literally said he doesn't like to be tied down to one place. He likes to move around. He likes to experience everything that he can, all these different companies, which is great. But the unfortunate thing is if you're moving consistently from company to company, no one's going to put you in a massive program because you're just not there for long enough to do it. Like, yeah. AEW need to focus on building their talent that are under contract, like Hangman and MJF and Wardlow and Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. They're cornerstones, essentially. Yeah. So he will only, unfortunately, if that, I mean, it's, it's, I don't say this is like, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Um, but I think he will only be, a, he will never be more than a bit part player in a, in a major television wrestling company until he, unless he decides he wants to commit himself, you know, properly to a, to a long term contract. Yeah, and you you look at like, I mean, underused in AW, yeah, fair enough. But you look at other companies like in GCW, he's, he's there frequently. He's wrestling there tonight. I think ago. I think he's going to be a big player for Terminus. He hasn't been he's just, just been announced for the next show. Today. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. yeah, he'll definitely be a big part of Terminus. Uh, he's he's had like he had like a really strong run in MLW was like when he left WWE. I think the other thing as well is, so obviously, unfortunately, he took time off because he's losing his grandmother. Um, he retired briefly because of the shoulder injury he got, and he came back out of retirement. So a lot of a lot of his AW rooms kind of marred by that, yeah. As well, like obviously not in, not in of his own doing, but it, it, it he he was underutilized because he wasn't there. And if, if he's just a guy who just pops in every now and then has a banger here or there, then that's fine. Yeah. Like look look at the, the tag match he had with uh, Dante Martin against Mariotti and Seidel. Fuck me, that was incredible. Yeah, it was really good. That was one of my like one of uh, my favorite matches of like that time that time that AW put out. Um it was really, really good. And I think I, I think with Leo Rush, he's extremely talented, but as you say. It, it's almost like he it's almost like that because he wants to kind of go and travel and do like working up with so many different companies he's he's spreading himself too thin like I think if he wants to be utilized in a big way in like in an AEW for example he he really needs to be devoted to that and yeah. it's fine it's fine that he's not because as as I say, he's doing, he's in New Japan, he's in Mexico, he's doing appears in MLW every now and again. He and, and, in... and if that's what he wants to do, then that's great. And <laughs> I just want him to be happy and enjoy his wrestling. That's the most important. Yeah. Thing. Well, that, that's the that's the thing. Um, it's it, it's all about that. He's he's obviously like doing so many other things. Like he's got a music career as well. I he because he's still he's still announced it's going to be appearing on that. AW hip hop project, isn't he? Yeah, he's recorded the song for it. Um, yeah, I think he's he's um, I, I think underutilized or underused is almost like a it, it, it's almost like a knock against Leo Rush because it's not that he's underused, it's that he's doing so much else. Yeah, he's a busy guy. He's, 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 like you say, he's, yeah. he literally wants to be on everything. He's on. He's on, You know, he's he's going to be wrestling. He's going to wrestle in at least ten promotions this year. Yeah, but I think I think that's why. Like, I think it's it's not that he's underused. I think it's that he's he's so busy with other stuff that it comes across that way. Yeah, 
because there's been times where he's missed like episodes of Dynamite and Rampage uh, purely because he's been doing other stuff. Like yeah. he was recording, he was recording his EP. He was appearing for other promotions, and yeah, that's fine. Um, but unfortunately, the the kind of like side effect of that is if you're that busy, you're not going to be able to kind of. But he can't. He, he can't be the like you say. He can't be the cornerstone of a major, yeah, push or story in a in a big company. Yeah, I mean the the other, the inverse of that is look at Brock Lesnar, but yeah, the, the amount of criticism that gets is is the issue, isn't it? Uh, right, then we'll um, move on. Next question: uh, Thoughts on the wholly pointless unification match? Uh, I well, we talked we talked about we talked about this in the podcast. Like we we, we actually discussed how it's we don't think it's pointless at all. Um, we, yeah. we talked about. I mean, it, it was it's a bit I'll weird. It. It, it's, I mean, it's a bit weird that they literally had Cody away for two weeks and decided to like have an interim champion. But it's obviously it's all in, it's all in service of story. Yeah, I think I think that was more down to the fact that it, the match was advertised for the fucking clash of champ or battle of the belts. So. If there was a, a match that didn't have a belt involved in it, it would be a bit fucking silly. Yeah. Um, so then that's why they've done that. As I say, it's it's something that's done in boxing and MMA. Um, I and I compared it earlier to Sean and Razor for the Intercontinental title, and I think that's where they're going with it because obviously they're doing a ladder match. I think they're kind of like it's it's almost like a nod and a wink to the Sean and Razor match um, in WWE from years gone by. Uh, it's it's almost like an homage, and I, I think it's really cool. I, yeah. I like it. Something yeah. a little bit a little bit different, but a little bit the same. If that makes Fair. sense. Uh, next up, then, uh, who's next to join the House of Black? Would it be Julia Hart, Pack, or somebody else? This is still true, well, by the way. I know I, it's it's mainly Troy Faze out of out of the few at the end, but it's mainly Troy. <laughs> I've said this on Discord a lot, and he's been teasing the shit out of it on Twitter a lot. I think it's going to be Shane Strickland. Yeah, Swerve, I think is going to be the third guy, and he has in, been like there's been a, like you said, there's been a lot of posting about it. I mean, I think they could do a Julia first, maybe if they're going to push that mm-hmm. storyline. Depends how they. It depends whether they stick stick feud with the Varsity Blondes or whether they move on to something else. Now they've just destroyed uh, them. I think. Well, it it seems that once Phoenix is cleared, which should be mid February, um, that they were going to be getting House of Black versus Death Triangle. Swerves. They'll need a third man for that, don't they? Swerves, um, 90 days is up at the start of February. Oh, right, okay. February. So that could be a shout. So I I would not be surprised if... I, I think we're going to get House of Black versus Death Triangle at Revolution. I won't go too much into that because the, there's a question further down about Revolution. Um but yeah, I think Julia Hart will eventually join, probably sooner rather than later. But I do think that the next like, the next like uh, big name that's going to be in in it, it's not going to be Pac because obviously he said he's uncorruptible. Yeah, uh, it's like Batman. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think it's going to be Swerve. That's a good job, to be fair. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, next up, then, uh, the women's roster isn't deep enough for two belts. Agree or disagree? Uh, I think that's an easy disagree because we've literally Massively. just talked about three or four people that we want to win that TBS title in this, in this episode. Um, I think I think that the women's world championship, it's a little bit thin at the top at the moment, but I think that's more because they're building people up for it. I mean, how 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 deep into the news? I, I haven't looked at the news document yet. How deep into the news do we want to go? Because um, Serena Deeb was on a 
podcast this week was it a podcast where she basically said that AEW had some like major female talent just coming in to the company at some point soon. I mean, you just got to look at the people who were released. You've got like well, then Thunder Rosa oh. tweeted that she couldn't wait to wrestle uh, Ember Moon, and then very quickly backtracked and said, "If I get the chance." Oh, Ember Moon's fucking <laughs> or Athena, and she'll be obviously going back to her. Athena's a fucking given that she's going to show up in AEW. She'll probably be not not the Joker in the women's thing because that's fucking Mars, isn't it? That's all out. Yeah, um, but she, she'll definitely be. I, I I think a lot of these women are going to be announced for the Owen, aren't they? Possibly. I mean, that's a, that's an easy way to bring a lot of people in, like that's very quickly. Way to bring in a lot of women um, and give them an immediate, yeah, immediately with, give them something to do. Yeah, with minimal build. Um, so yeah, I, I strongly disagree with that statement uh, from Troy. Um, I think it's almost a case of like, if you want the division to grow, you have to feed it. Like you have to give it something else. You can't just have one belt. Like you've seen, we've seen on NXT UK how having one belt can stifle a division when there's nothing else, and when one guy's got when when you're doing a dominant champion like they're doing with Brit at the moment, like and they did with Volta, Gunter, whatever you just called these days. Um, it shows that like you need something else. You need a secondary thing for other people to to, to gravitate around. Otherwise, it really just people are just spinning the wheels. Yeah, <clears throat> and as well, like there's obviously the major criticism of that AEW don't do enough with the women. Well, the fact that they've got two belts is a, a way to do that. Obviously, they're doing like, they are doing storylines now with women outside of the title picture, like Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch um, <clears throat> and Thunder Rosa and Mercedes. But as I say, they, they need to, they, they need the second belt there to kind of be able to, Almost, almost like look at the look at the TNT title the way they do like the open challenge. Yeah, that's it. I mean, with the TBS title now, you've got an you've got a, a women's title belt that can be defended like every one or two weeks on TV. Yeah, and then it makes the the women's world t- title mean a lot more because they they're only defending that on big shows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think there's there's a lot of depth in that division. It's just, it's more. I mean, it's not an issue of depth. It's an issue of they need to try and establish more women within the division, which they are working towards. You can see that week by week. Well, it, it, it's it's sort of obviously don't forget when the company was formed, they had to basically build their own women's division, especially after like COVID happened and they couldn't access the yeah. Japanese wrestlers that they were going to. Just don't forget when when AW started, like the, the the main the four guys who started it were all in the in the tag and singles division, male singles division. There were no they were ready. They had a main event scene ready built. They had the books. They had Cody. They had Jericho. They had Hangman. They had Kenny. They didn't have any women on like on like because there were none around on that level. Yeah. And they had to, they've had to build yeah. it from the ground up. They've had to build, like, they've done a great job with Brit, but they've had to build her up over three years to the point to get to the point where she is now. Mm. Same with Chris Statlander. They've, they've built her up quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and Thunder Rosa just came in and did Thunder Rosa things. Um, moving on anyway, uh, Troy has asked, will AEW ever do grand-scale pay-per-views, premium live events, pal? Um, yeah, events. To date, the biggest one has been Grand Slam, and that was around 23,000. Do they have the fan base for 60, 70, 80K show? Do they need to do a show of that size? Do you want them to branch out into larger stadiums like WWE do with their big events? So a lot of questions to break down there. Yeah, Um, um, I think at the moment, no. I don't think they have the fan base. I don't think that's a knock on AEW. Don't forget, it took until like WrestleMania 24, 23 for WWE to move into the stadiums. So that was like 20-odd years. They did. They did the ninety-three thousand allegedly. 
uh, showing for WrestleMania three. But then I need the Wembley Stadium as well, night too. I yeah. I don't know. I think it depends on the market, doesn't it? I think if AEW came to the, to the UK, they they could fucking they could they could sell out stadium. They could sell out Grim Coach, for example, if they wanted to. Yeah, which they fucking will when they do announce that. Come on, Tony. Come on. Um, I mean the the fact that Grand Slam was a taped episode of television, not pay per view, mm. and they sold that out in record time, and it was. I mean, it was a big enough deal that Mark O'Connor, who is not a wrestling fan, was asking us serious questions about who are AW, why are they selling up this fucking arena that no one else other than tennis plays in. Yeah. Um. It was a it was a big deal. Uh, I think um, give them a couple of years, they'll they'll do. I I think if they come to the UK or when they come to the UK, they'll they'll do it easily. I mean, I'm fine with them. Just I think twenty thousand for like the regular shows is a really nice number. Mm. To be fair, though, I think that's you know I don't want it to get. I mean, I I, I kind of do. I, I I just want them to grow sustainably and um, responsibly in a way that like sort of feels natural as opposed to like trying straight away to go for the biggest crowds possible. Yeah, um, I mean, when they were in the United Center, I'm just trying to find out what the attendance for that was. Oh, for Punk. Because that, that sold out, and that was a biggie. Um, oh, so that was actually that was actually more than um, Grand Slam. Oh, right, okay. That was... Uh, their, their capacity is 23,500 when they have got um, the basketball on, and I believe they had extra seats added to that, so the, that was yeah, it probably will have been. Um, because obviously, you've got you know, you need floor space to, to do you have like seats on the floor or whatnot, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Uh, that was like that was 25,000, so they they I, I think I didn't give them a couple of years, but also I think like you look at uh Dynamite the other week when they were in North Carolina and they fucking tarped off half the arena, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you have to consider the state of wrestling in 2022. Like outside of like the outside of the big nostalgia events like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, mm. WWE don't fill 80 to 80k seat stadiums. You know, Raw doesn't draw big crowds. It's only it's only events with like 20, 30 years of history behind them that manage to pull in the big crowds. I think the paper the AEW pay per views though have like pulled in for like sellouts only. Yeah, but we're talking like between ten and twenty thousand, aren't we? Which is a different kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm happy I, with I, them. if they do. I'm sure all all everything sort of points to the idea that everyone on that side of the business is happy with how it's performing in terms of you know it's it's live it's live attendances and it's sort of it's the gate revenue and stuff like that. Yeah. And as long as that's continued, as long as they continue to be happy, then you know I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I yeah, I actually think them just doing Grand Slam as the stadium show every year. Which they've said they've actually said they're gonna do another Grand Slam this year, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, but I think they said the he allude Tony alluded to it being like a multiple year deal, didn't he, with the Arthur Ashe? Yeah. So. I, I think I think uh, them just leaving that as like the one stadium show they do with you, it kind of like makes it feel a bit more special, doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, right then, cracking on uh, to face questions. We'll leave Troy behind. Um, not out of any reason of spite or anything. We just finished with the questions. Um, moving on to Faye. Um, she said, what are your match predictions for Revolution? Oh, I haven't even thought about this. like Because it's, uh, it's, it, it, the, 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 they give us such a, a steady diet of like bangers, don't they? Like on 
on TV every week. Like so, actually, I've not even been thinking about Revolution for the most part, but I'll try it. I'll try. We know, we know, we're getting the face of the Revolution ladder match. Yeah, to be presumably they won by Wardlow. About that a lot. You'd think. Who will be in that is another question. I think it's probably going to be Wardlow, Punk. Fuck knows who else. But then I wouldn't be surprised if Punk wrestled somebody else. Um, I mean, is that when you do Punk MGF? Would you do it before then? I'll do that in Chicago, mate. Yeah. They're, they're, while they could feasibly drag it out another six weeks till um, Revolution, I also like the idea of MJF beating Punk in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, right. So instead of instead of instead of leaving this too open, let's just try and like nail down a few other things. Like, who do you think? Cole versus Hangman. You think Cole? Do you think it's time for Cole? Yeah, I think Cole versus Hangman will happen. Is this when you pull the trigger on Thunder Rosa against Britt Baker and put the belt on her? No, I think they can drag that out till um, double or nothing. Double or nothing. So do you do you do you do Thunder Rosa? Do you have a lose here and then? Go again, or do you do you fit someone else in first? They they could they could quite easily do um do like a face of the Revo- revolution women's match as well. Yeah, do two ladder matches. Um, oh, it was either like little money in the bank sort of thing. Yeah, and then the the winner of that gets like either well gets a TBS title shot. Um, and I say fuck it. I think if you want something a bit off the wall. For Revolution, have Hook beat someone for the probably Dante for the FCW title. Yeah, I'll be down with that. Um, I oh well, I don't think it's going to be Dante anymore. I think it might be. Oh no, because they call that team, hasn't they? Uh, I think, as I said before, Death Triangle versus House of Black. All the way to Revolution. You think it goes all the way to Revolution? Yeah, that's like, yeah. I think because they can do variations of it, can't they? They can do well, like Phoenix or if you just or if you just do nah, do, you they'll, do you reckon they'll do Malachi versus Pack first? Yeah, I think so. I think they'll do that in like on like a episode of Dynamite. Um because if you think about it, Phoenix isn't gonna be cleared till mid February. Yeah, and then it's not until the and start of, start of March, it's early March. Revolution it's... the sixth of March. So that gives them two weeks to build that match realistically. Yeah. Like that actual like the trios match. Um Eddie Kingston will be back by then. I can see Eddie Kingston Jericho happening. Um yeah. Jurassic Express, I don't know who they're going to defend against. I think we'll probably see some kind of like Young Bucks versus Red Dragon match, maybe. Dragon will have got built to then because Kenny might be coming back. Uh, Kenny might come back at Revolution, maybe. Possibly. Um, if he's, if I, it, it depends on his recovery, obviously. I know that it was. I, you scared he was going to be out for longer than we initially thought. Yeah, I, I think that um, Young Bucks Red Dragon, but it won't be like a feud match. It'll be like kind of like a friendly competition, like, like friendly rivalry match because they, they've teased it, haven't they? Now they can even do it like as a normal contenders match and be like whoever wins yeah. gets the first crack at the belts. Yeah. Um, but, then, usually... but then you, but then in that you tease like little moments where Matt goes nasty and maybe does it goes a little bit too far, and maybe mm. Kyle Riley does a bit more, a bit too much violence on someone, and you know you just have little moments where they overstep a little bit, but they don't go quite into the feud. You know what I mean? They usually do the tag team battle royal, don't they? Yeah. At Revolution. Uh, the. But if they're doing one or two face the Revolution lad matches, I think that's probably enough, multi-man. Well, they, they can do the face of the Revolution lad match and they can do the tag team battle royal. But if they're doing a women's one as well, I think three might be a little too a little bit too far. Yeah, it's, uh, that's if they do one. I, I, I said they, they, 
I said it's feasible. They could do. They might. <laughs> they might do what they do, like the way they do, like a battle royal at each show. They might do like the women's one, uh, like double or nothing or something like that. Uh, I'm just thinking, what else? I think TNT title might not get defended on it if they're doing the face of the revolution match. Yeah, because that's like the standing TNT adjacent match, isn't it? Yeah, Brit will probably defend against. Fuck it, Statlander. Nah, she's done Statlander recently, hasn't she? Um, yeah, but they've, they've got a bit of beef in, the, in that feud, haven't they? I was going to say maybe Jamie Hater. Oh, if they, do, if they do that, yeah, they could turn that. Fair. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else? I mean, I think that's as, with it being as far away as it is and the way AW, you know, book things, I think that's probably about as much as we can try to almost call at this point. Yeah. Anything else? You don't know what feuds are going to be in place in like two months' time, do you? No, not at all. Right. So uh, we'll crack on for the final question then. Uh, if Proud and Powerful leave the inner circle, what direction do you see for them and the other members? And do you see a rivalry between the two? Presumably that means I, a rivalry between Proud and Powerful and the inner circle. More well, like Jericho and Hager. Um, I hope not. I want I want Jericho to stay away from them because he is stifling them now. Uh, I, I think that Jericho and Eddie Kingston's match will have ramifications for Proud and Powerful. Yeah. Uh, what what like, direction do I want to see yeah. them go in? I want, to see, I want to see them go up towards the team titles. Yeah, I, I'd I'd even say I'd want them to dethrone Jurassic Express. Yeah, like I, 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 Jurassic Express can kind of like use the tag, like have the tag titles as like a, a TNT title run, almost like the defend. They're doing all the open challenges. They don't need a long reign. They, no, they kind of, you could you could do it. You could even do it. Same as the Lucha Bros. The, the Lucha Bros had a short reign, well, four month reign, and. And I know Troy was disappointed by that, and it was like, yeah, but look at all the defenses they made in that four months. Like they, yeah, they those belts like almost weekly. Like it, it's fine, it's fine to have a short title reign if you've defended the belts a lot. And you've especially more so with like face teams because like obviously if, you, if you're a heel, you sort of hide behind the the, the, the big matches, don't you? And you don't yeah. defend all the time. But if you're a face, you and you want to be a fighting champion, you, you're on, you're you're getting exposed a lot more. Um, not not in a bad way, but I mean, you you if you if you imagine like the quota of a, a title reign is say ten matches. Yeah. For a face, that's three months. For a heel, that could be a year. Yeah, exactly. So I I think I think the proud part will take it off uh, Jurassic Express. Possibly revolution. Yeah, um, I think I think we're going to see Sammy drift further from the inner circle this year. Yeah, he's he's not really been involved with them as he's he's kind of he's had his a uh, he's had his inner circle circle like cut on, but he's not. And they can just wheel really? Hager over and just shout championships because that was the literally best thing he'd ever done in AW. Championships. <laughs> Yeah, that was really good. Uh, that was that was thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, right then, I think that's going to wrap us up. Uh, for yeah. a long one this week, but you know it always is when me and you get chatting about the nonsense. So, hope everyone yeah, enjoyed. We- <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much for watching. Well, for listening, everybody. Sorry, not watching. Uh, thank you very much yeah. for listening. Uh, take care, and we'll see you all very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast, Housen, the Untitled Wrestling Podcast, Housen. <laughs>